1: Yeah, so today I'm pretty casual, uh, fairly relaxed. There's not a whole lot uh, going on. Uh, I've got uh, my, my regular uh, reporter, uh, CJ, who's going to join us in the third hour. That's going to be fun. Tomorrow, however, is another story. Usually Fridays are pretty casual around here. Uh, not too much is happening. We've got our regular folks. I um, haven't heard from Candace, uh, Cowgirl Candace, for a couple of weeks, and I think she's I don't, probably not here tomorrow also. But uh, we do have two uh, special guests. One I'm still working with. The other one's already confirmed. And that's Tony Lyons. And Tony Lyons is the CEO of Skyhorse Publishing. He's the one that did the, the real Anthony Fauci, uh, RFK's book. Now, why that's so particularly interesting to me is because I want to get connected with RFK and, and see if he'll endorse our vaccine product liability bill, our big tech censorship bill, and maybe even our constitutional amendment to uh, take away the power of Congress to borrow money, which also would eliminate the Fed uh, of the government-owning securities and the ability to print money beyond uh, – uh, expenses. Um, so, or print money to meet expenses. And so these are game changers. These are huge. So I'm really curious what he thinks. Um, some other really cool things in the works that I'll, hopefully I'll tell you about next week. I'm really excited about some of the possibilities with Action Radio. Um, and our, our continued effort to explode upon the national scene with something really pretty dramatic. And so eh, that, that, that's coming too. You, you know. Anyway, so my other thing I'm working on is uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night I'll be at Matt Gates. Uh, 530 um, open house, open gates, whatever he calls it. Uh, it's going to be in, in the town of Jay in Florida. He seems to have there a whole lot. I'm not quite sure why. It's peanut and cotton farms and some really nice people, but it, it's quite rural. So I think he is he endeavors to cover the state. You know, he had an office in Fort Walton Beach, which is down near Destin, which is where the rich folks live. Uh, he has a new office in Crestview, which is a kind of cool town, but sort of in the middle of the the big city of his district is Pensacola, so he's there all the time. And he also heads up to the, the agricultural folks up in Jay. And so those are like the four points of the, the Matt Gaetz, you know empire here in the first the congressional district of, uh, of Florida. And so I'm in the town of Milton, which is near the uh, city of Pensacola uh, on the Gulf Coast of uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And so it's kind of cool being here. I mean, I, you know, I've never explored this area before I got here. I still haven't explored it now that I am here. I could do more traveling. But that's happening, too. Uh, in the second hour, I was trying to think of uh, something I thought would be appropriate um, to play from my, my vast W.E.B.Y. repertoire. It was only a year and four months. In fact, I've been on, uh, on Blog Talk, you know, I think five years now. Uh, but W B Y was only a year and four months. But in that year and four months, there was a staggering amount of amazing shows. And this is one of them. This is about a men's conference. So I figure it being uh, Gay Pride Month. Uh, and uh, although folks are calling it Pride Month, as I commented on, on Facebook already, Calling Gay Pride Month Pride Month is like calling Black History Month. You know, you're missing something. You're missing the whole point of it. So if, if it's really pride, you know, if LGBTQ plus is, is a source of pride, then why wouldn't you say your name? Just curious. Good morning, Marco. Excuse me. Good afternoon, Marco. Marco's is uh, with us uh, on live chat from the Netherlands. And so we're, we're just waiting for Warren to show up. He said he never would again. Hey, hey Marco, how, how long do you think before Warren shows up to tell us we're all uh, white supremacists and racists and everything else that's wrong with the world? <laughs> it should be interesting to find out. Anyway, Marco's a, a tremendous help to the show because he looks up things for me while I'm on the air. Um, still working on a producer. Got uh, got some possibilities. Uh, I, as usual, I don't like to name names or, or you know state things until they're actually happening. Uh, that's why I'm still working on a guest for tomorrow who I'll tell you about. Uh, what well, Marcos is one hour maximum before uh, Warren joins us. Warren promised it's like the, it's like the people that uh, said they would uh, leave the country if Trump ever got elected. Well, they're still here. It's it's, it's the same kind of idea. It's it's an empty threat, but uh, you know because he, he can't stand to be away from the publicity and, and trying to sabotage me. So I have my I have my own antagonist uh, or groupie, depending on how you want to characterize it. All right. So again, um, tomorrow is really exciting. Now Tony Lyons, I don't know a whole lot about yet, but I will by tomorrow. And Skyhorse Publishing, I think, is an interesting name. So of course, I've already contacted Dan, uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse, you know Chosloko Suta uh, of the Creek uh, Band here uh, in Santa Rosa, uh, Florida. And so he was on the show a bunch of times. I wonder if I'll play this. It might be kind of fun to play the theme uh, for Skyhorse Publishing, um, just to uh, uh, let um, let Tony know what's going on. Tony's interesting. He's got his own podcast. And that's going to be fun to, to hear. Uh, I'm wondering if he's going to be interested in what we do, which is citizen legislation. And so, again, I got Matt Gates tomorrow night, you know, who's our very well-known, nationally known uh, member of Congress who's on all the conservative media. If, oh, let's, let's kind of speculate for a minute. If he starts the ball rolling, I'm not saying he will, but if he does, I'm hoping he does, starts the ball rolling on this congressional uh, amendment, or excuse me, constitutional amendment to end uh, Congress borrowing money. This is game-changing. This is this is earth-shattering. This is brand new. Nobody uh, has ever proposed this formally. People have talked about it. I know, because I did some research before I wrote the, the amendment. Um, people said, yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't be interesting if, if Congress stopped borrowing money, or how do we get Congress to stop borrowing money? So, you know me, I have to take the next logical step and say, okay, well, let's stop Congress from borrowing money. Uh, that's what Jefferson wanted. Jefferson never wanted the ability to borrow money uh, in the Constitution, and we would have been a lot better off because of it had that gone through. And so think about it. Why why does Congress borrow money? Well, they borrow money because they can't, you know, budget properly. That's why they borrow money. Or they borrow money because they want uh, more money for campaigns and to reward people special interests. None of those are good reasons. All right. And so the usual reasons for borrowing money that people claim, well, we we need it in case we have a war. Really? If you have a war, uh, you should have enough in savings to fight it quickly. So the incentive is, if you can't borrow money, is to get the war over with as quickly as possible, which usually results in the least loss of life. However, if you can borrow money, you can keep Afghanistan going for twenty years. You can keep Iraq going for probably still. Uh, you can keep uh, you can start a war in Ukraine, which apparently has been in the works for years, uh, and you can have another one in Sudan, and who knows where else? You know, the permanent war class, the people that always want to want to set war somewhere, really depend on borrowed money. So, if you get rid of the borrowed money, you, you probably would eliminate a whole bunch of wars. Well, not even wars. They're just you know they're just uh, military industrial complex uh, investments. That's what it is. And the fact that people die along the way, you know, eh, it's kind of, you know, incidental or collateral damage, I think they call it, or something like that. Anyway, point being, if you stop the borrowing, you're probably going to stop a lot of wars. What else would you stop? Well, they say, uh, oh, no, what happens in the next pandemic? You know, they borrowed $7 trillion to, to fight COVID. But was any of that money needed? No. Because, we, you know, what was needed was the First Amendment. The only, the, the way to solve COVID, we're going to solve COVID in about uh, six months, maximum. Because that's what the CDC says. If you'll notice, every time I uh, post the slides to a show, there's a chart there. That's the CDC death chart of COVID. See, after that chart, they go into cases because they can't prove the deaths anymore. And with the real cause of death? Ventilators. You know, bacterial pneumonia from ventilators. So the ventilators were infecting people after they were put on the ventilators because of remdesivir, which caused kidney failure, which caused everybody's chest to fill up with fluid. So they put them on a ventilator and they got pneumonia and died. That's what killed people in the hospitals. So people died by hospital protocol, um, of pneumonia. so the actual COVID death, but they list them as COVID deaths. You know, keep the fear going. So the way to solve COVID was always the first amendment. Freedom, freedom of information, freedom of information on hydroxychloroquine, on ivermectin, on vitamin D three, vitamin C, zinc, you know, the Zelenko protocol. We need the cure for COVID uh, at Action Radio at the beginning of March of 2020. Two weeks before the so-called 15 days to slow the spread, we were broadcasting the cure. And we were broadcasting there was no pandemic. We were absolutely right. And I keep saying this, you know, to get the message out that we were right. And a lot of other people were right, too. It wasn't just us. I and mean, I didn't make this stuff up myself. But I see I all the trends. You know, I, I look to see what's going on. And, and I, you know, you sort of, after if you've been doing this long enough, you can see the, the signals. You know, when, when Dr. Fascist, all he talked about was vaccines. There had to be an agenda. Okay, why does he want vaccines? Why does he want only vaccines? We know we have early treatments, but he's blocking the early treatments. Why is he blocking the early treatments? Well, because he makes a million, you know, millions of dollars on vaccines. And so does Big Pharma. And so does so, you know, Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis in our government. They made money off this. And so did Big Tech because they invested heavily in pharmaceuticals, so they made money off this. The media you know, got millions. What I just shared the other day that Anderson Cooper... Well, there, now there's a white name if ever there was one. You know, you know that, that'd be like you know Biff Wellington III, <laughs> you get know, it kind of thing, right? So Anderson, Anderson Cooper of CNN, the communist news network, he made 11 million dollars a year, or was it 12 million? He made 12 million dollars a year, 12 million dollars a year, right? 12 million, 12 million dollars a year, you know, for lying. It's pretty good work if you can get it, right? Well, 9 million of that 12 million came from Pfizer. Well, that's interesting. So all these folks are paid off by Pfizer to lie about uh, the cures. Uh, and so they're they're partially responsible for a million people dying. Yeah, good luck with your conscience there, Anderson Cooper. Hope you enjoy your nine million a year from Pfizer. Uh, you're partially responsible, you know, for killing a million people. Well, you have to live with that. I don't. <laughs> I my conscience is clear. I was broadcasting the truth the whole time, and I didn't get nine million dollars from Pfizer. But I've got a clear conscience, and that's worth more. Although I certainly could use the nine million because I want a jet. You know, but uh, I'll get my jet the, uh, the, the you know the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Honesty, truth, good journalism. Even though I'm not a journalist, So let's put it good activism. So that's fascinating. Um, but uh, but the the, the 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 in fact, I wrote an article on this on Substack that the cure for COVID was freedom. So if we had freedom of information, there would have been no pandemic. So there was no reason to borrow seven trillion dollars. Because freedom of information would have had COVID gone by uh, mid-July. No vaccine, no ventilators, no problem. Would some people have died? Sure. But people die of a cold. People die, you know, you know slipping on their sidewalk out in front of their house in the wintertime. People die from all kinds of things. Everybody dies of something. And you're not going to eliminate death, you know, but you can reduce it a whole bunch by simply uh, going with early treatments. And we all knew that. But they wouldn't let us tell that story. So but, yeah, we told it anyway. So anyway, there's no reason to borrow money for a pandemic. Uh, Because freedom works, and you can't quarantine the healthy people. That's unconstitutional. So if they follow the Constitution, and if they had uh, the free access of information, COVID would have been done, and there's no reason to borrow money. So if there's no reason to borrow money for a war, there's no reason to borrow money for a pandemic because freedom is the cure. Freedom is the cure in both cases. Freedom is the cure for war too, because you don't wage wars unless you have a congressional declaration of war. Well, without that, you don't go. You don't spend money, and Congress should stop that, but they don't don't, because they don't work from freedom. They'd rather borrow money because they're part of the military-industrial complex. They make money off it, too. And they get elected because of all the money spent in their districts by military contractors. So the cure for most of everything is following the Constitution and freedom. So there's no reason for Congress to borrow money. None. There's nothing that can't be solved with the current budget. We've got trillions of dollars uh, that we could have in our Treasury if they stop spending on stupid things. You know, money for floods, we've got. Money for hurricanes, we've got. You know, money for... Uh, You know, hydroxychloroquine tablets during the next uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic, easy, cheap. What, 20 cents a pill? Nothing. You know, so none of these things are a problem. Uh, There's no reason to borrow money, so that's why I I wrote the amendment. All right, let's go to things. So the government causes the problems. Most of our problems are caused by government and some of the bigger ones, but they they blame something else. Uh, One of the big things going on right now is fires in Canada. Why do we have fires in Canada? Global warming? Climate change? Really? So how do you explain fires in wintertime then? <laughs> you know, fires do not require heat. They don't require warm weather to get going. You know, you can have fires anytime. Fires, fires generate their own heat. I don't know if you've noticed. And the last time you were close to a fire, they're pretty hot. Fires do not require. I mean, just to use simple logic. Fires do not require heat to get going. A warmer situation will not make a fire. But what really happens is uh, a hot, dry, windy situation with fuel and ignition. There's three parts to a fire. Oxygen, fuel, and ignition. You need all three. Okay, um, Heat by itself will not generate fire unless you get hot enough for something to burn. And I'm not sure what the, the burning temperature of wood is, but it's a lot higher than the hottest day of the year. A lot higher. <laughs> so wood burns when it catches fire. Wood is a fuel. Um, you know, And we have oxygen in the air. That's part two. So the, the third source is the ignition. And none of these have to do with climate change. So climate change is irrelevant to fires. It's, just, it's not a big deal. Uh, I find it interesting that the fires in Canada are in the springtime and the fires in the, the lower latitudes are in the fall. So let's go to one of my favorite source on this, the CO2 Coalition run by my friend Gregory Wrightstone, who says in uh, his latest episode of uh, um, stuff from, their, from their, uh, their information website, and you go, go to CO2 Coalition, I'm on the mailing list, so I get all this stuff. He says, Canadian fires, if you are living in eastern Canada or the northeast of the United States, you are experiencing quite smoky, hazy skies, the result of fires in Canada. Well, as a side note, we used to get smoky skies in California every year because they burned the rice fields. Oh, no, they burned the rice fields. And so all the, uh, all the husks, you know, of all the, the rice uh, was, was burned and put into the air. So, and when I used to teach flying, you could always tell when the rice fires, the rice fields were burning. First of all, it smelled like rice in the air. <laughs> that was kind of weird. Uh, and, and secondly, the air was really smoky. So, as a as a flight instructor, we tended to avoid the fires. We don't want to get all that crap on our engine. Anyway, so he says the fires have spread from northern Alberta eastward into other provinces, including Quebec, generating alarming press coverage. Oh, yeah. So the coverage is alarming, not the fires themselves. (laughs) But the coverage is very alarming. He says, a headline from the Washington Post claimed, unprecedented Canadian fires intensified by record heat and climate change. Like I say, fires generate their own heat. This is a bunch of nonsense. Then it says, fires in the northern latitudes of Canada are quite different from fires in other parts of the world, as I previously stated, including the western United States. The lower latitude fires are often the result of grass and brush that grows lushly in the spring and early summer and then dry in the heat and aridity, that's dryness, <laughs> of late summer and early fall. Yes, our worst fires in California were in October. Hot, dry, the winter rains hadn't started, and uh, that's perfect situation for fires, right? Article says northern fires peak in the spring. For example, May is the peak month in Alberta. Oh, well, that's interesting. That is because the, high, in the in the high latitudes, in other words, north or south, depending on which way you go, uh, in the high latitudes, after long, cold winters, there is plenty of dead fuel from the previous year that dries up in the several weeks between the melting of winter snow and the beginning of spring rains and new growth. According to Canada's Department of Natural Resources, fires have been occurring for thousands of years. Yes. Unprecedented? Yeah, right. Thousands of years, okay, in the boreal forest. I'm not sure what boreal means. I can look it up, or maybe Marco. What does boreal mean? B-O-R-E-A-L. probably means northern (laughs) forests. Anyway, so the boreal forest of eastern Canada, not exactly unprecedented. In addition, they call a fire a primary change agent that is uh, crucial to forest renewal. It's the sun and rain, perhaps not a calamity either. Yeah, fires are essentially part of the, the cycle uh, of life in the forest. Now, I taught this as a, uh, as a tour guide. And uh, when we used to go see the redwoods, and you'd see the, first, the, the bottom 10 feet of a redwood tree would be black, whereas the redwood trees, the rest of them are red. Well, the bark is red, okay? So why would the bottom black? Well, fires. But they only went 10 feet of a tree that might be 300 feet high. These things are huge. <laughs> it's really pretty amazing. Anyway, so you got a 300-foot tree. And the bottom uh, part is burned with fires. But is the tree dead? No. Why? Because the bark of a redwood can be up to a foot thick. That's a lot of bark, right? And it's completely resistant to fires. Yeah, it burns. It turns black, but the tree is fine. Tree doesn't care. Tree's like, eh, I got redwood bark. So redwood trees are particularly uh, fire resistant. In fact, it takes a fire to germinate a redwood tree. Because the, the ground has to be cleared. Redwood trees need constant sun their first couple of years. Well, the only way to ensure constant sun is to have no plants around. And the only way to ensure no plants around is to burn the area. So after a fire, the, the cone of the, of the sequoia or the, the giant redwood, the coastal redwood, those are two big trees. The sequoia and the coastal redwood are the two main redwood trees. Well, the, the cones of those trees don't really open up uh, unless it's incredibly hot and dry or right after a fire. That's when they open up because the ground is clear. So they open up and seeds drop on the ground and they, they do their thing and they start growing little redwood trees. Well, if it's suddenly, uh, you know, if uh, if other plants grow up around them and they're in the shade, they're going to die. But once they get above the, the rest of the plants, you know, it's probably about six feet, uh, and they start growing, then chances are they're going to be okay for the next 2,000 years. It's a pretty interesting life. Anyway. Uh, so a lot of things are going to. So, so fires are necessary. Fires clear the ground. Fires create uh, fuel, Create put uh, nitrogen back in the soil and do all kinds of other things. So fires are a natural part of the forest. So the idea that the Forest Service, Smokey the Bear, has to stop all fires was ludicrous. Because by stopping all fires, what you do is you get the fuel building up more and more and more. Then you get massive fires. You're going to have a fire sometime. The only question is, are you going to have yearly or, or every other year or every third year, you know, low-level fires kind of cleaning out the underbrush? Or are you going to have massive fires because you haven't had a fire for 50 years, and all of a sudden all that fuel has to burn at once? And the tops of the trees get burned and all the trees get burned instead of a low fire kind of working its way along the ground. That's the difference. Anyway, nature knows best. Leave nature alone. Chances are it's going to be fine. It's been here for millions of years longer than us and does quite well. Thank you very much. All right. So the next thing here it says, according to Canada's, oh, I, think I already said that. Yeah. All right, here we go. It appears that uh, 2023 is on pace to be a year with unusually high numbers of fires. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, the previous year was one of historically low numbers. Oh, I guess that was unprecedented too. But they don't say that. The Canadian National Fire Database 2023 provides facts to dispute the idea of climate change-driven increases in fires in Canada. According to the CFND, the Canadian National Fire Database, <laughs> who knew there was one? Right, there has been a significant uh, and continuing decline in the number of fires, and no discernible trend in the area burned. So, so if a whole bunch of fires decline, and then one year they get excessive, it looks or get greater, it looks like oh no, we've got so many more fires. They're unprecedented. Oh yeah, well, so was the decline beforehand. All right. So NOAA, that's the National uh, so, uh, Organization. What was it National Ocean? Oh, Start again. National um, Oceanographic and Atmospheric Association, NOAA, promotes fear of too much CO2. Well, I think CO2 is being released with these fires because all the CO2 locked up uh, in the carbon uh, of the wood gets released when they burn. Well, that's not bad. We need CO2 for other plants to breathe, to create more plants. So so forest fires contribute, puts CO2 back in the air. That's a good thing. Anyway, uh, CO2 Coalition says, just today, NOAA began warning of the looming dangers of unprecedented levels of carbon dioxide not seen in millions of years. Yeah, because millions of years ago, we had a lot of carbon dioxide, and the world was really healthy. You know, the dinosaurs were were roaming, and, uh, you know, the the polar ice caps weren't ice caps. They were green or palm trees at the North Pole. And the world did just fine, right? Anyway, he says, oh, then I got the other stuff going on. Uh, too, too, too. As a subscriber to our newsletter, you're likely, you likely know that CO2 has been at suboptimal levels, in other words, below good, <laughs> for plant growth for those millions of years. Yeah, the recent additions of the miracle molecule mean that plants are flourishing more than they have in thousands of millennia. We should celebrate that. Learn more facts about CO2 you know, from our informational website. So there you go. So uh, CO2 Coalition says we need more CO2, lots more CO2, and we'll be much better off. Okay, that's first, uh, uh, first of my many articles here. second one is, uh, and I'll take a break after this one. Uh, second one I found really interesting, too. I just found this this morning from my many uh, subscriptions, uh, and this is from Dr. Mercola. USDA, that's the United States Department of Agriculture, phony animal welfare rule, and other shenanigans. So they're screwing around with organic food, all right? It's not organic anymore. They're changing how they do things. And this is criminal, too. So this, this might be a place we need to take some action. So it says, and then let me see if we got the date of the article, June 8th. So yesterday. No, today. I'm sorry. Today's the 8th. <laughs> Dr. Joseph Mercola today. So this would have been released this morning. Hot off the presses. Wow. It, wait, let, me, let me play my hot off the presses thing. So let me, let me see if I can uh, just do this. Uh, here we go. And now, hot off the presses. At a time when organic farmers are going out of business and being gobbled up by corporate agribusinesses by the hundreds, draft regulation currently under consideration would legalize factory farm conditions for organic chickens, thereby pushing even more of the smaller organic farmers out. Yeah, we need to protect our organic farmers. And there should be a, uh, I don't know, I've got to look into the thing. We need to get rid of all the agricultural subsidies. We need to make it harder for big agribusiness. We we should make it impossible to buy smaller places or something. I don't know if I would do that. We still have a free market. I have to think this through. But there's got to be a way uh, to protect small organic farmers. And I think the biggest way to do it is to make the big organic farmers, you know, obey the same uh, rules and policies and regulations that the small ones do. You know, and so uh, that should be interesting. Well, let's we'll see how to do that. I need, I need to do some more farm research. Anyway, it says, while the proposed rule, you know, we talked about rules, we ta- talked about rules yesterday, right? We talked all about rules. That these, these agencies, you know, who work with lobbyists um, just crank out rules and Congress, you know, for, to a large extent doesn't have any, any role in it. Well, here's the place where Congress should have oversight, all right? So this should go to the, the Agriculture Committee. Do you really want to change the rule on organic chickens so the big agribusiness can make inorganic organic chickens and pass them off as organic and put all the real organic farmers out of business? Do you really want that? Well, if they're taking money from the lobbyists, then of course they're going to do that. But that's how we need to take the lobbyists out of, uh, out of Washington. So that's going to be a big job. First step is stopping them borrowing money. <laughs> we will work on some of the other things, too. Uh, I can only imagine what Matt Gates is going to say to me when I tell him that. He says, yeah, Greg, what else do you want me to do? Well, I do have some other bills, sir. It's going to be funny. All right, so the article says well, while the proposed rule claims to protect and improve, quote, animal welfare, all it will accomplish is the further destruction of independent organic farmers who do things right and therefore cannot compete with the organic mega corporations that can sell their food at far lower prices because they cheat on the organic standards. Let me say that again. They cannot compete with organic mega corporations that can sell their foods at a far lower price because they cheat on the organic standards. He says, this is Dr. Mercola, says there are two kinds of organic. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service, in 2019, nine organic certified corporate-owned confined animal feeding corporations, CFAOs, in Texas produced 1.5 times more organic milk than all the 530 family-owned organic dairy farms in Wisconsin combined. That's crazy. That shouldn't happen, right? As of 2021, there are 13 corporate dairies in Texas with organic certification, and they're producing 2.8 times more, quote, organic milk than the remaining 407 organic farmers, family farms in Wisconsin. In those two years, 123 family farms went out of business in Wisconsin, as did hundreds more in other states. So we've got to find a way to preserve the small farms. We need a Small Farm Preservation Act. With to write that down here. Hang on. We have a lot to do. So if you know uh, big foundations that uh, support Heritage and Cato and things like that, massive donors, turn to us. We have work that we can actually do as opposed to these guys, you know, going to their luncheons. So 6, twenty three. So let's put here small organic farms. Small organic. Part of the reason I'm doing this today is because uh, um, I wanna, hopefully CJ will uh, get a hold of this and uh, talk about this in, in, in her show uh, which will be in the third hour so we're getting to the first half hour of the first hour project protect small organic farms bill there we go so big notes of myself use blue and red contrasting colors makes it more visible next time I read my notes so there we go so as 2019 uh, we lost 530 farms 2021 we lost 407 farms well that's almost a thousand farms Anyway, he says, when small organic farms go out of business, it's not just that family uh, that loses something. Uh, Consumers also lose. They lose access to authentic organic milk that meets their environmental expectations. And they're deceived because they think the higher price they pay provides economic justice and reward for farmers who are doing things right. Yeah, I think so, too. However, he says, meanwhile, most of the organic milk available comes from CAFOs. Once again, that is corporate-owned confined animal feeding organizations. Pretty disgusting thing. In other words, they box up, animals. you know, veal, they box up veal in, in tiny boxes. Uh, they box chickens up, too. Ever been to Chinatown, San Francisco? Hey, listen, you know, the, you know don't call me anti-Asian. It's not going to work. All right. If you go to, it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> Quite frankly, disgusting the way that uh, things are done uh, in some parts of Chinatown. The animals, chickens are confined in tiny little cages. They're stacked up, you know, like um, like things you see at, uh, at Costco. <laughs> you know, and so and it's just, it's really, you know, I, I've seen things I won't even describe on the show in the Chinese markets. And so I'll just let your imagination run wild on that. Bianca's on the line. Get you in just a a little bit here. Uh, This is most, all right. Meanwhile, most of the organic milk available comes from these CAFOs that have anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 cows with a density of five to 10 cows per acre uh, that roam in desert conditions. The the scene on these factory farms is as far from idyllic uh, farm life as you can get. Yeah, remember the happy cow ads from California? I don't know if you guys saw them out here in Florida or the rest of the country. We used to have happy cows. And they showed these blizzard whiteouts in Wisconsin. Wisconsin cows weren't happy. But the happy cows and this little teenage girl, she was like 14 years old, you know, our cows are outside. (laughs) I haven't seen that ad for a while. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, so they try to show you how happy these cows are in these lush green environments. Well, it's not the case. Listen, I I used to drive by the factory farms uh, in California on I-5 and 99. And they were hot, dry, dusty, and they smelled of cow poop, because that's what they were. They were factory farms, you know, feedlots, and they were disgusting. There were mounds of cow poop on dry land, and the cows ate from these, uh, you know, big things. And it it started turning off beef for a while, so I got to find a nice grass-grown beef, and you know, start eating beef again. Anyway, meanwhile, it says most of the organic milk available comes from CAFOs. Oh, I read that. Okay. Unlike on a family farm, these CAFO cows don't graze on grass in a pasture. Rather, pasture grass is cut and then fed to the cows as shown in the picture below. And uh, I've already posted this. I think I posted this event. I'll post it after the show. When actual pasture size is considered, the effective stocking level can be as high as 20 cows per acre, whereas family farms typically provide one acre per cow. Very interesting. Let's get uh, Pianca in the line and uh, find out what he thinks of either CO2 uh, and the fires in Canada or the uh, the organic farms that are screwing up because they're actually catering to these uh, factory farms. Piaki, good morning.
2: Well, there should be hands off the Amish and the Quakers.
1: Well, that's just part of it, though. I mean, I agree. So I should probably put them there one of them right there: Amish and Quakers. Have you been to Amish and Quaker farms? A long time ago. Yeah,
0: and I've,
2: okay. I've had the opportunity to study it. But no, you leave those people on it. They do what they want to do for what they want to do it for. Mm-hmm. They don't advertise. People come to them and request to uh, have access to some of their products.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, when but you not have the Elmer's FBI want
2: to the rate them, yeah. <laughs> when you have the FBI want to rate them, that's just totally deplored. They don't even use uh, – they use push mowers, lawn mowers.
1: Yeah.
2: So look and
1: lead them along well, it's not Amish just the Amish and the, and the Quakers. Yeah, it's more it's more than the Amish and the Quakers. I mean, it's a good point. It's an excellent point. I should definitely include them in, in the in the bill. But uh this is these are small farms. So the small farms do things right. They don't have the economy of scale. Like I get my eggs from a from a friend of mine. Has his own chickens. I know the feed they use, I know the chickens, I know where they're kept, you know. So I, I'm really lucky. I have a good source of eggs, but not everybody has access to that, especially in the cities because there aren't a lot of places to keep chickens in the city. Uh, this is why I like living in a more rural area now uh, so I can do these things. When I find uh, a local grass-fed beef producer, maybe I'll go to them. Um, you know, All the fish I, I eat is wild-caught. So i got organic eggs, real organic eggs, not, not factory organic eggs, but real ones, and uh, wild-caught fish and uh, you know, organic produce as much as I can. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good. Now, don't eat processed food. You'll never see potato chips or cookies or cakes or brownies or things like that. They just don't. They just, you know, My only sugar is, is organic honey, raw honey. And so I'm doing pretty well. I'm trying to. And I've got rid of all the seed oils. So you won't find any cottonseed, rapeseed, you know, soybean stuff, any, any of the soy or seed oils. You won't have that. And my, my mayonnaise is now avocado oil-based mayonnaise. So getting rid of the seed oil. So all this, I'm gradually working my way, you know, for a completely organic diet. Not quite as bad as CJ. <laughs> she really goes. She, I mean, she 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 soaks her strawberries in baking soda. I'm not that far yet, but um, you know, there's a lot you can do, and I feel pretty good. Well, How, cows, how's your organic? Uh, you food? know,
2: we have cows around here. They uh-huh. graze, and then before they they slaughter them, they take me to – uh, areas where they're fed corn, they feed corn, they put some fat on them in order to have flavor to the meat.
1: Yeah, but, I think they know. call it finishing. How do, how do they kill cows? I mean, I'm I'm not really sure how they do it. How, how are cows slaughtered these days? Do you know? Because I have no idea. Wave the handle when they fall dead.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is it electric? Is it um some kind of massive you know, something you can drop you know, The ball peen hammer you hit him in the head, a ball-peen hammer and kill him. Really? Huh. Yeah, a lot of people talk about hammers. People don't realize hammers are dangerous. You can easily kill a person with a yeah, hammer. Yeah, they are dangerous. They kill a cow. Huh. Yeah, I thought Just it was like some, some, large, uh, some large bar was dropped on their head or neck or something like that. I'm not trying to get graphic. I'm not doing this for, for no reason, but I think people should know. How do they kill chickens then? These mass factory farms.
2: They them
1: cut the throat. Huh. And then they bleed out. Because I know the, the thing
2: about it is so if you cut the throat, they bleed out. Huh.
1: Because I know with, because uh, well, of the chicken, you just literally wring their neck. I mean, you just twist their neck and you can kill them really easily. Uh, people used to have done that for thousands of years. But, um...
2: Then they have the halal way of doing it, which is pertinent with the Muslim uh, culture. They have a comb where the chicken next to them can't see the other chicken. Right. Supposedly it's supposed to stop the address on uh, it I mean, it's their technique and their traditional way of doing things.
1: Yeah, I think kosher meat is a similar kind of way, isn't it? I mean, uh, or is it I know it's blessed by a rabbi, but how how is kosher meat prepared?
2: I believe it's the same principle where the bird is not put under stress mm-hmm. and the death comes quick and swift.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, I, I've been in places with a lot of seafood, and I grew up around Boston and, and San Francisco. And for those folks that are, are trying to be conscientious but still tossing a live animal, animal into boiling water, uh, you usually put them on their back, you know, you kind of tickle their belly a little bit, and they, they tend to relax, and it's they, they, so like a hypnotized state. And so when they're tossed into the boiling water, um, they're somewhat relaxed going in. I mean, I still, I've done it. I don't know if, I, if I'll do it again, <laughs> you know, but cause it's, it's a strange feeling to, to do that. Um, but, for the, but on the other hand, lobster tastes really good, so I don't feel like I should, you know, have never had the experience of, of basically killing an animal I'm going to eat. Same thing goes for hunting. I mean, I, I'm curious to, to kill a deer, or clean a deer, and, and do the work myself. If I'm going to have meat, then shouldn't I know how the process works? That's something I've, I've been thought about for a while.
2: It's very impressive. Yeah. let's well, for deer, you kill it. You, as you shoot a male, the first thing you want to do is cut off the scent glands. And then you gut them. And you hang them up. You can hang them up for about a week if
1: you want.
0: And take what off the
1: that skin. that <laughs> Huh? What does hanging them up do? Does drains all the blood out?
2: Well, yeah, it drains the blood out. Of the uh, The organic decay process begin and kind of tenderizes the meat a little bit hmm.
1: yeah they don't do it for too long I remember when I was up in Alaska I took my daughter up there we flew up to the Antivic Pass which is an Inuit village about 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle that's as far as we got we didn't get all the way up to Prudhoe Bay but we got pretty far up far enough that they had caribou skins hanging over the the, the railings uh, on the stairs uh, and the caribou, the, the carcass was in, uh, in the, in their freezer, which literally was a dugout, you know, perm, cause they have permafrost up there. So the ground never thaws out. And so it makes the perfect freezer. So the ground's always, you know, 32 or lower. And so they toss uh, the, the, meat, you know, right there in, uh, um, you know, in a, in a dugout place, you know, low enough in the ground that it's still at freezing temperatures, even in the, the heat of summer, which gets all of like 50, I think it's like 52 degrees when we were there and it was hot. He <laughs> was like, Whoa. They, they get some serious winters up there, but uh, it was interesting, but we were there during the caribou harvest, and uh, they were out there, you know, it's like, Hmm, and this is how these folks live, and they're, you know, this is what works. Caribou come by, because there's not a lot out there. Have you ever been to the tundra? There's not a lot of life out there unless it uh, wanders by, and when it does, you know, you've got to take advantage. So they do. Hmm.
2: Well, that's the way it works, you know. There's a power on the food chain, and then you got those that's lower on the food chain. That's yeah. the nature way of doing
1: things. Mm-hmm. We still have to be responsible. And I think, though, man,
2: like the FBI yeah. need to leave it in hell alone. They got other things that could be done.
1: Well, who would pay the FBI? Why would the FBI be paid to raid the Amish? Who could have done that except the agricultural companies? There's no government interest in that. That had to be by the, the farm lobby.
2: Well, they take it. Well, you have, they have a client. They have one thing. They have big families. You know, I tell you what, there was an issue with them having a lot of kids too at one time. I can't remember the story, but that was a discussion. But uh, they have large families. Then they have people in uh, other parts of the society that would come to them for their food. What is their baked products? Their honey, of course. Their uh-huh. milk, their meat. They don't advertise. I don't think you ever hear them advertising them. Store. Well, as far as electronic news. media,
1: they're not going to use the electronics to advertise. They don't have to. But I'll tell you, the world's finest salad dressing. I had this bacon, um, I don't know what it was, vinegar or something, honey dressing that they made in Amish country. I've actually been there. Um, we all joked about the town of Intercourse, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Intercourse used to mean conversation, folks, uh, or, or, or commerce. It's not, uh, the, the meaning has changed a little bit. But, uh, yeah, you get to Lancaster or some of these other places near where the Amish are. Uh, it's fabulous culture. I love to do a show from there. So I, I have, in some of my plans, I had this uh, desire to hit the road probably for up to a year and just bring my show with me and just go. Bring the computer, talk to people from all over the country, uh, put them on the air, maybe do videos at the time. And I'm not sure how. I haven't created all the details yet. And I can't leave yet. I have to have a pretty massive travel budget. But I would take the show on the air and go meet all these people that we talk about. And we we'll see what's going on yeah and then right regulations. And there's right a market for, yeah.
2: uh-huh. there's a market in Philadelphia if i'm not if I got my cities right that has uh ethnic food vendors, and the Quakers have a spot and you can go uh there to this spot you can buy uh fresh orange juice, you
1: know they put the whole orange in where do you get oranges in, up Pennsylvania? in Pennsylvania? It's not really a good orange-growing country, <laughs> so it's interesting. They'd have to get bring them in from somewhere, further south. Yeah, and
2: uh one of my favorites, is
1: apple dumpling.
2: They
1: mm. do so have apple a apple
2: lot of things that uh, they have yeah. that the, the you don't normally find. That's the uh, makes for a great day. And the orange juice don't last long, so you got to. Uh, it's natural, so you have to consume it as
1: fast as you can.
2: I mean not all in one day but it just can't sit up you know,
1: two or three or four days, you know? Yeah. That's same thing with avocados. You got a good avocado, it's only good for about eight hours. <laughs> you've gotta you've gotta catch it at the peak ripeness. You know, before it's too hard you can't eat it, and after that it gets too soft and, and stuff, you know, turns brown. So there's like an eight hour window. So when you buy avocados, you've gotta if you want to have them for a few days, you buy one to eat today, one that's not quite as ripe for tomorrow, you know, one that's green for three days from now and then and it'll be fine. So you, you gotta be careful but you actually do it. Uh, I bet you there are different species of apple that you find with the Amish and with the Quakers because there used to be 140 some odd species of apples across the country. Local, regional, they they developed their own, you know, uh, breeds of apple. Now there's like six. Fuji, you know, uh, what, Macintosh, I guess the most popular, Granny Smith, you know, yeah, that's a good. couple of other, Honeycrisp. Uh, what's that one you said?
2: And Jonathan.
1: Oh, I don't remember those, but there's like Jonathan another Apple. one. Galen, Galen Eppers, the apples or whatever they're called. Anyway. we have to bring, I, yeah.
2: bring Johnny Apple back and let him walk across the land again.
1: <laughs> well, the point is that the food should be local. And these big agribusinesses, and part of the thing, I've had this you know, show in mind for a long time, to go after the agricultural subsidies. And one of the biggest um, uh, perpetrators is Archer Daniels Midland. Archer Daniels Midland gets a subsidy for ethanol. They shouldn't get a sub- subsidy for ethanol. We shouldn't pay billions of dollars a year for farmers to grow corn uh, to make fuel when we've got more oil than we know what to do with. Why would you do that unless you're paying off Archer Daniels Midland? You know, we, we pay farmers well, any, not to produce. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Any operation that grow commercial food, whether it's a corner lot in your city. hmm and they can be uh, available for farm subsidies. Uh, USDA has a page, has a website that have all the farm subsidies on where they go into the forums in your can area. You send me that page. And if you pardon me,
1: well, if you send me that page, I'll include that in the bill that all these should be deleted. All these farm subsidies will will, will be gone.
2: No, you got to have farm subsidies because if. Farmers, just like any other business, you have two or three years that you don't produce enough crops to pay for your overhead, you're going to say the heck with it and go out of business.
1: That's not what subsidies are for, though. Subsidies are for keeping the prices high. So in other words, you pay people not to produce. Subsidies were brought in during the Depression, but there's no need for a subsidy now. In fact, I think we'd be better off without them. If you take away the subsidies, subsidies usually go to the big companies, Archer Daniels, Midland. Uh, Smithfield. How, uh, in fact, you sent me the article on Smithfield. You know the Chinese-owned pork company. So should, nobody should buy Smithfield. Uh, it's, it's Chinese. It's Chinese Communist Party. I went owned meat. to. Uh huh.
2: We visited the University of Iowa one time. because Someone was interested in finding out more about dairy farming for the hmm. country. Uh-huh. And in one of the in, in the discussion session, they was talking about the number of. Dairy farms that be just going out of business within uh, a week. You know, two or three would go out in a week there in in that area because of uh, uh, the lack of desire for young people coming up in the family wanting to carry the business on, and, and other reasons.
0: So,
1: yeah, they want to sit at a computer. Did become- they didn't want to be out there farming. I understand that. But you've got to make it economic again. So it has to be economically viable for people to have small family farms. So I would, uh, if you want to subsidize anything in agriculture, subsidize small family farms, small independent businesses. Well, they can can take can all, all be, the subsidies away from the big companies, so that they can, so the small farms well, can compete with the big farms, farms, are, farms on an equal basis.
2: Yeah, the small farms are able to receive uh, any operation that sells commercially. I don't know mm-hmm. if this rule comes up the commercial CCC or what, but they are eligible for uh, a subsidy. It can be as much as $49 up to the the big farms that have more expenses in the millions.
1: Well, wait a minute. Why is it, We've got a free market. Why should we have to subsidize it, it at all? Why can't we just maybe remove taxes or things like that or just let them compete? So the free market should determine the best size of the farm. And if small family farms are economically more viable than these big agribusinesses that are dependent on huge subsidies, then maybe we should eliminate the subsidies, eliminate the huge agribusinesses, and let the small farms uh, feed us.
2: Well, it actually keeps food prices down because it provides a lot of food rather than a, a minimal amount of food. If you got a minimal amount of food with a lot of demand and mm-hmm. prices
1: going for them. Yeah, but here's the problem. When you have a lot of food, you get feedlots, you get chemical food, you get pesticides, you get herbicides, you get uh, organic growth hormones, you get uh, GMO. You know, All these things are designed to, to lower prices and, and create bigger economies of scale, but they sacrifice the quality of the food. So, so we just talked about the Amish, which is pure food. So we need to get back to pure food. And if it costs a little more, it costs a little more. I'd rather pay more for real food Than uh, pay for uh, a premature death, you know, at a lower cost.
2: Well, no other country in the world have the yield that the American farmer have in certain crops,
1: and that allows them to feed more people. If you have food shortage, then you have a problem. Right. Well, that's why we need more carbon dioxide and more. uh, Going back to our first story, let me finish this article. And we have a. I think you're going to find interesting. I pulled up a W E B Y. Um, uh, interview for the next hour. It's our first men's conference. So during our, our, uh, not our, but during Gay Pride Month, I'm I'm looking for things that are uh, a little challenging. Um, Remember that post I made, you know, calling Gay Pride Month Pride Month is like calling Black History Month History Month? You sort of lost lost the whole characterization. What's the point? Anyway, I found that interesting. Um, Let me get back to my article here. Uh, and this is Mercola News. This is from yes, from actually this morning. I'm talking about industry walk dog, watchdog issues, warning. So uh, these folks here, according to the Organic Trade Association, the OTA, the regulation is, is the first significant movement on organic animal welfare in years. The Humane Society Legislative Fund has also had the pro, hailed the proposed rule as a landmark federal regulation. So the Humane Society is not a Humane Society. <laughs> they're, they're they 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 want the abolition of pets and that, They're not what they say they are. I have to look into them more to get the actual uh, stuff, but they're not who you think. So anyway, we've got a quote here. Mark Castell, K-A-S-T-E-L, Executive Director of Organic Eye, an organic industry watchdog, vehemently disagrees, saying that rather than strengthening the organic label, the new regulations will undermine it further by permanently codifying practices that violate the spirit of organics and even the current letter of the law. You know how the the latest – Six trillion dollar uh, budget act was was called the the, the, the debt reduction act, <laughs> you know, or, or Obamacare was called the Affordable Care Act, or the uh, the the uh, the inflation generator was called the Inflation Reduction Act. So this is another one of those completely mislabeled things. So we have a new regulation. Now we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the folly of regulations, of how they're not done properly, how Congress doesn't have the oversight they should, how these rogue agencies are doing whatever they please. Here's another example. So you've got the Department of Agriculture you know, taking money from the lobbyists to change and water down the definition of organic so people think they're getting pure food when they're really not. Yes, Marco. Marco's on, uh, um, listening to us in the Netherlands. What are the farm regulations you have? Do you have, is your organic really organic? You know, how how strong are your uh, farm laws there? Because I know the farmers are under siege because they uh, they use nitrogen fertilizer, which that really increases the yields we've talked about. Anyway, so he says, uh, here's a quote, organic companies have been acquired by conventional producers, <clears throat> excuse me, that slowly but surely have eroded organic standards through willful violations and lobbying. There you go. It's the lobbyists again. He says organics uh, were, was supposed to be the antidote to the get big or get out draconian agribusiness domination of our food supply. This is Castle again. He says instead, organic companies have been acquired by conventional producers that slowly but surely have eroded organic standards through willful, oh, he says the same thing as the quote above, violations and lobbying. He says, as a result, 90% of, quote, organic eggs now come from gigantic confined animal feeding operations. They're called CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations, owned by the largest suppliers of conventional eggs. And most certified organic chicken comes from companies that raise birds in near total confinement and feed them imported grains that may or may not be truly organic as organic grain fraud is now commonplace. So just to sum up, to, to, to put this in perspective for people, organic farms, small family farms, doing it right, following their procedures, good healthy produce, healthy chickens, healthy cows, healthy eggs. The large businesses come in, buy an organic farm, call their food organic, but they gradually move to the very same you know, horrible practices that cause the organic farms to be even more popular because the food was pure. Yet they're able to call it organic because of these new regulations. That's what's going on. This is this is terrible. Pianki, back to you. Or not? <laughs>
0: when, uh, in a commercial
2: chicken uh, operation, chicken leg, the egg rolls down onto an area where it goes on a conveyor, and it's uh, it's uh, goes to another collection point. Then you know the process goes on. If you're gonna see... Large nations with a large population, you have to have those type of methods where well, you're going to have people walking around in a field picking up eggs out of uh kind of nests
0: mhm
2: i mean that's I'm, I'm sorry if you like to feed your population if you gonna feed your populations in an autom- from an automatic process that's that's the way it goes
1: well, but then say so. Then don't call it organic. I don't mind the fact that, uh, you know, large businesses are, are producing a lot of food. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is large companies producing food using standard techniques and calling it organic when it's not. That's what I have a problem with. So, and I also have a problem with the large businesses buying the small farms um, and changing the rules so that they're calling things organic that really aren't. Because the small farms have an advantage. They can pull the eggs out of nests. And they do have a smaller market. That's the whole point. But millions of small farms you know, would do, do us a lot better than, than 10 you know, huge agribusinesses. So if the agribusinesses, if they, if they just say what they're doing, don't call their food organic. You know, if they, they confine the animals and things like that. That should be readily available information to the public and people can decide for themselves. What they want is to produce food the conventional factory way but have people think it's a small organic farm way. That's deceptive. That's false and deceptive. That's actually against the law. That's what the FTC, Federal Trade Commission,
2: or regulates. Or you usually educate the people to know what it means. You know, in some countries, uh, if you have an organic operation at one farm, that mm-hmm. farm cannot get organic designation for foods that's going to be imported into the United States unless that uh, designation Mm-hmm. Is applies to the whole country. All operation that's going on in the country. I think that's wrong. It should only apply to that one location hmm. rather than trying to do the whole country because it's just impossible. So if you went to a foreign country so overseas, say down in Jamaica uh, Africa, and you wanted to start an organic operation in a food and drug if the agent would have to come in and do the inspection, well that inspection should go for just that one location rather than having to apply to the whole nation and that's the way it is now. I think that's wrong
1: well I think so too i mean obviously you you inspect you know the local place in fact uh It'd be nice if people could check the, uh, the certification from whatever inspections they get. And so a lot of times it's interesting. You know, Chansey used to do this, and now CJ's doing it, and some of the other uh, folks we've had on our wellness folks, Lindsay, uh, Paige, and some of the other people, you know, they actually investigate the companies. You know, when they say they talk about organic, clean food, they actually have, you know, companies they've looked into. I do the same thing. You know, I've looked into and read websites of and, you know, and, and talked to a com- people from different companies. You know, I drink Tropicana orange juice. People say, oh, it's full of sugar and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's, from, it's not from Concentrate, which means they haven't ground up the skin and put all the pesticides in it that the other people that make orange juice from Concentrate do. Uh, I get my eggs locally. You know, when I, find, when I can find grass-fed beef, I'll probably use that. You know, again, wild-caught fish. Don't eat No farm fish because <laughs> it's, it's like a feedlot. You know, so you have to take responsibility for yourself and you can actually call up the companies. So the best thing that people can do, uh, rather than wait for the government to fix itself, because they're not going to, because there are too many victims of lobbyists, is actually research the companies yourself. Call them up. Look them up. Get friends' recommendations. Buy locally. Local produce is is the best way you can do it. In fact, especially locally, you can probably visit the farm. You know, and in that way, people can ensure a much better food supply. So we don't have to buy from the agribusiness. But people are stuck on convenience. And cost. It's like when they said, you know, we have to have illegals harvesting lettuce because Americans won't pay, you know, X dollars for a head of lettuce. They want it for like 50 cents. Well, if Americans give it. Why not?
2: They don't allow it because it's biohazards. When you come up on a chicken for long, so in your car, your car has to be washed. Tires have to be washed. Really? You got to go into, I uh, mean, if you're going to go in, you got to put on a hazmat suit. You got to take your shoes off. You got to step into a cleaner, in a before you can go into the house itself,
1: so you don't contaminate the chickens.
2: And chickens have to be grown in a house. It can't. I mean, you can have some small operations, but that needs to cost a whole lot more. Where uh-huh. chickens are allowed to go out into a field. You know, some houses can hold. Hundreds of thousands of, of, of birds, brawlers is what they call it. Uh-huh. And you can't let them out, but the hawks, they get them. <laughs> Hawks and everything enough will come down and take your chickens off.
1: Yeah, no fox in the hen houses, they say. Um, yeah, and like I say, I don't mind that. I mean, I don't want them to be unnecessarily cruel to the animals, but uh, just tell me. Just tell me. This is a uh, you know a chicken factory operation. Okay. That's cool. People can make their own decisions. So the the real the solution here, the easy solution, uh, is truth in advertising, and that's something the Federal Trade Commission can enforce. Let me do one more paragraph on this, and then I'm going to do one more article on uh, what they're not telling us about lab meat. And we're going to take a break. Then I have a really interesting WBY interview. Again, for Gay Pride Month, it's a bunch of straight guys around talking about men, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we don't do enough of it. But uh, I want to get these guys back on the show. WBY was really special because I had a table and I could actually get guys in or actually pe- you know, men and women in the studio talking. And there's something about a live panel discussion where we had like uh, three or four microphones, you know, hanging in this, the, coming out of this big spiky thing in the middle of the table uh, like starfish arms. And it was it's different when you see people there. You get the visual, you get the facial reactions uh, as opposed to everything we do here, which is by phone which is a little different. I kind of missed the panel discussions around the table. Anyway, let me get this one last part here, and then I'll get a different article. This says legalizing violations of the organic spirit. This is what I was talking about. It says in a letter to the members, Castle, the guy we were talking about earlier, says for most most of the last decade and a half, stakeholders in the organic industry have alleged that the largest egg companies in the United States have been operating mammoth livestock factories, like you're talking about, with USDA illegally granting organic certifications. This is a problem. If you're not organic, just don't be labeled organic. Just say so so people can make a choice. They'd be like putting something as GMO, uh, say non-GMO, and it really is GMO. as genetically modified organisms. You can't do that. Anyway, he says in 2022, an agency released a new draft rule, which they purport will bring these operations into compliance, assuring a level playing field for competitors and meet consumer expectations. And meat as an M E E T meat consumer expectations, not meat, M-E-A-T. He says, other than family-scale farms producing certified organic eggs, the majority of production takes place on commercial operations, like Pianchi was talking about, commonly with twenty to 30,000 birds per building, with some of the largest conventional egg marketers in the country operating certified organic houses with as many as 200,000 chickens per building and over a half, over a million birds on individual, quote, farms. The industry's most vocal watchdog, organic eye, where or we've been quoting from here, has vocifer- vociferously, in other words, loudly, criticized the proposed regulations as a giveaway to corporate agribusiness interests, codifying the continuing violations of the spirit and letter of the law by failing to assure that organically managed animals have legitimate access to the outdoors and are able to exhibit Uh, their natural instinctive behaviors, both requirements of the current statute and regulations. So basically, big business is buying an organic label for stuff that's not organic. That's what it is, and that's wrong. That should be changed. Comment?
2: Well, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I don't know. For people to buy something that's labeled organic, you're going to pay more. And people that's in marginal income and that can't afford that. And I don't know why come a large traditional operation who want to label their products organic and they're not produced like the backyard chicken is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know why why they do that because you know you, know, uh, you, know, you go to buy I tell you what if you buy a pound of grass fed beef like some stores have it you mm-hmm. will pay considerably more than what you would for you know your regular traditional ground yeah, beef fat beef even yeah. no, the cuts is more
1: yeah except in Australia because so, all see, the beef there dollars $8 a pound. yeah but this is the only country that does that I mean in Australia all our beef was grass fed. All our, our lamb was grass-fed. I suppose the goats were too. I didn't eat goats. Yeah,
2: all beef is even, right, all beef is is fed on the field until uh, until they're about ready for slaughter. You know, it's when they used to do the cattle drives. Mm-hmm. They used to do the cattle drives to Kansas, and when they got there, they had to put them in a the pen and feed them corn in order to
1: fatten them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then they killed them. Yeah, cattle drives are interesting. Those are the, the, the last of the cowboy days. They only lasted about 20 years. It's kind of interesting. Yet yeah, we're still celebrating cowboy movies. All right, let me do a couple, couple more paragraphs of, uh, uh, well, let me do a little bit of this article. and Then we'll take a break and then I'll come back with our, my, uh, my men's conference, which is a fascinating discussion. It's also pretty funny, too. Uh, so this is Mercola again, Dr. Mercola, what they don't want you to know about lab-grown meat. Uh, this is June 6th, so this is two days ago. He says, while the fake meat industry is being touted as an environmentally friendly and sustainable way to feed the world, the true intent is to recreate the kind of global control that Monsanto and others achieved through the patented GMO seed development. That's genetically modified organism, GMO. Uh, In the end, lab-created meats are worse for the environment than livestock and will undoubtedly deteriorate human health to boot, just like GMO grains have. This is why I don't have GMO grains. You know, so again, if, it, if things are properly labeled, we can make a choice. So what they want to do is produce things one way, label it another way, and and have you buy stuff that's not what it says it is. Anyway, lab-grown meat is worse for the environment than cattle. I said that's the whole point, though. They don't. They're not doing. Lab, they say they want lab-grown meat because it's it's better for the environment. That's not the real reason. The real reason is they want to control the food supply. Take natural food out, put artificial food in, uh, and control people genetically. And, every, and who knows what they're going to put in these things? Vaccine stuff to kill you? I mean, we don't know. Anyway, natural food is better. If it doesn't walk or grow, I don't want to eat it Uh, or fly (laughs) or or swim in the oceans. Anyway, he says, as reported in the San Francisco Chronicle, researchers at UC Davis, which is a really good college for agriculture, by the way. Um, I used to live not too far from there. UC Davis warned that there are major environmental downsides to lab-grown meat that aren't part of the conversation or the decision-making process. According to their, quote, cradle-to-grave life cycle analysis, the lab-grown meat industry produces up to 25 times more CO2 than traditional animal husbandry, which nullifies the core ideological foundation upon which the industry is built. See, I don't mind more CO2 being produced. That's not a problem for me. The problem for me is that they're lying. Then <laughs> you know? he says, as noted by the authors, investors have poured billions. You wanted to make a comment there, Pianki:
2: No, I was going to say CO2 has become the scapegoat today. Uh-huh. Well, it's really oh, yeah. nothing more than a fad. It's been used to insert uh, certain objective opinions, which is false, really, in our thinking toward the, our everyday life today. It's, a, it's an escape goal.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, though, why they produce 25 times more CO2. So maybe it's the process. I don't mind CO2, obviously. I mean, you know, I'm in favor of more of it. But the question is, what is it about this process that produces so much more CO2? So maybe it's the process we should look at, not the fact that it's producing CO2. Anyway, well, it yeah.
2: says – I don't know nothing about lab-grown, but it sounds crazy. It sounds like a Frankenstein.
1: Well, read the article. I'll, I'll be posting. Actually, this one's already in our, our vaccine project and I think on my page. And it says – Would you uh, eat something like that? No, never. I don't even eat GMO No, I wouldn't food. either. No. And I think unless I don't the next know.
2: thing they got yeah. in the is putting yeah. that in the shelves without telling people where it comes from and exactly what it is. I think that's deplorable.
1: Yep. That's why GMO food is labeled. You know, that's why the, uh, the um, you go to any dairy products, any milk, cream, you know, things like that, and they'll say made with cows that do not have the RBHT growth hormone. They have to put that there because nobody buys stuff that does have the growth hormone, even though the FDA, the lobbyists have bought something that says that our, our BHT growth hormone has been shown safe and effective. Well, they said they say that about the COVID jab too. <laughs> you know, so I don't trust it. I don't want something with a growth hormone. So you notice all the products on the shelves, uh, say especially you know if you shop in Publix or, or we also have Winn-Dixie around here, but our grocery stores, I haven't found a. a a milk or cream or other product yet that doesn't say not made from cows that have not been given the growth hormone because nobody wants it. Nobody wants lab-grown meat. If you have a lab-grown meat section in your supermarket, which is what they should have, do you think anybody's going to buy it? Of course not. Well, you're going to pay more for regular beef. Well, at least it's beef. It's not, you know, bugs. Anyway, it says here that, uh, let's see if I can find you a, uh, my next quote here. As noted by the authors, investors have poured billions of dollars into animal cell-based meat, ACBM. Everything has an acronym, right? A uh, sector based on the theory that cultured meat is more environmentally friendly than beef. Cultured? In other words, you know, manufactured. He says, but that hype is primarily based on flawed analysis of carbon emissions. Oh, well, here we go. The primary sources of CO2 emissions are the purification processes, which require what well, I'm going to say are organic fuels. Oh, that's why. There's a burning organic fuels to make this stuff, right? excuse me, it says the bacteria used to produce the, quote, meat. <laughs> yeah. See, they shouldn't even be able to call it meat. They should, they have to call it, you know, food product. See, the fact that it's labeled meat is a problem for me. They should call it food product. So we're going to call it food product from now on. So the bacteria used to produce the food product releases endotoxins, and these must be eliminated from the growth medium. growth medium, <laughs> or else the cells won't reproduce properly. As noted by the authors, animal cell culture is traditionally done with growth medium components which have been refined to remove or reduce endotoxin. The use of these refinement methods contributes significantly to the economic and environmental costs associated with pharmaceutical products since they are both energy and resource intensive. In other words, they're doing this even cost more is is less efficient uh, and produces a ton more CO2. So there's got to be other reasons for doing it. Anyway, based on this well, assessment. Go
2: you've got companies, you've you got pharmaceutical companies that's trying to get over into another realm uh-huh. of the market, of business, of grains. They want to produce grains through a chemical process. That's totally ridiculous, too.
1: It's dangerous, I would think. Yep. The more you mess with Mother Nature, the more you take products away from their natural environment, the worse the food gets and the more dangerous it gets because it's unnatural. These are unnatural products. These are outside of nature. It's like the whole gain of function, you know, bringing a, a, a coronavirus, you know, COVID-2. SARS-CoV-2 is an unnatural virus that was man-made. So the more people mess with this stuff, you know, in other words, don't eat margarine, eat butter. Eat butter is better for you. You know, fat is not a bad thing. Every, every cell in your body has sterols. In other words, cholesterol. So cholesterol, without cholesterol, you'll be dead. you all collapse. People don't know that.
2: You they know, yeah. do all sorts of methods of, of crossbreeding cows.
1: Huh. Uh, Japan yep.
2: has this one one uh, cut called a wagyu or uh, something of the nature. Hell, yeah, those steaks can cost as much as two hundred and sixty-five dollars for a steak dinner.
1: Well, they use special beef, like Kobe beef, and they use the top beef produced. Yeah, Kobe. I'm so, sorry. Well, here's another one. This, this is a good point. We're going to take a break in a second here. But uh, the, the grades of beef are, are prime, choice, and select. So which one's the best one?
2: Well, if you're hungry, you're going to eat either one of them.
1: Okay, now, wait a minute. no, think about that. Now there's a reason that they chose those names. They don't have grade A, B, and C. They don't have grade 1, 2, and 3. They chose the names prime, choice, and select. So which one's the top grade of beef? These are purposely- Well, I would say
2: prime will be the the top
1: grade, but I'm not a butcher. See, I I researched this one day. So what would be the second, choice or select? Select would probably be on the bottom. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Choice is second. But if you tell people, well, you got one beef over here. This is prime beef, and this beef is choice over here. It's misleading. You don't know which one's better. Just by the name.
2: And, and it's ranked by the marbling, which is fed. Yeah. In the, yeah. Uh, in the cow's meat.
1: Yeah. Let me, uh, Marco's got a comment here. Um, and then I'm going to play, I'm going to take a break. I'll play my stuff and then we'll have CJ at the top of the air. We can continue this with CJ. I've already sent her the article. Uh, And so uh, we we can uh, go for this. Marco says, in the Netherlands, organic farms must adhere to the strict requirements set by the European Union to be certified. These requirements include using only organic farming methods, such as crop rotation and green manure, that's poop, and abstaining from synthetic pesticides and fertilizers. Europe's actually better about food than we are in many cases. Europe doesn't allow things that we do allow, like aspartame and some other things. He's got a bunch of websites there, so I'm going to copy these websites and, and put them in there. And then he says, uh, uh, let's do that here and make a copy. I'll, I'll do this when I do my break. Uh, and then he says, I pass chicken farms every day, never seen it uh, from outside. I think it means inside, but that's okay. Inside, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ever see the video of these guys that pass by a turkey farm and they do the gobble noise and all the turkeys gobble back? It's hysterically funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's 8.08, 08, I just have enough time to do this here. So 8.08, 08, I'm going to take a little break and then come back. And when I come back, I'm going to play you what is a very interesting uh, men's conversation we had. And it's four guys from the first uh, uh, church, first Christian church at Ticola. And let me go play something, pull up my, my uh, ads here, and I'll be right back in just a few minutes. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. to the answers no one has thought to consider to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Back here, I got uh, Pianki in the line. I've got uh, Marco uh, Netherlands. No Warren. Warren hasn't shown up yet, so uh, maybe he really is not going to bother us again. But uh, since I've heard everything he wants to say uh, and find it all very destructive and uh, disingenuous and a bunch of other things, I don't care that he's not here. Um, so that's okay. Now let me set this up. Um, I did an interview uh, back in, in 2017 when I was. This is in uh, would have been uh, May. May sixteenth of twenty seventeen. So this is this wonderful time I had between March first, twenty seventeen, and Friday the thirteenth of July, uh, twenty eighteen, when I was told that was my last show. (laughs) That was an interesting time, but I think we accomplished amazing things, and I'm sure you can see why I was fired uh, after listening to this article. But that's uh, someday I'll talk about it. I just I can't go into great details yet. Anyway. I was fortunate enough to uh, to run by this church first. Uh, I think it's the first Christian church. We'll find out when we, we play the article, I'll play the uh, play the um, play the show here. Who? Which exactly are the name of the church? But literally, I was coming out of my dentist and I saw this sign. It said men's conference in this church, and I drove up to it and said, "Hey guys, what you got going on? Oh, we're doing this men's conference." And okay, cool. I said, "I'm on the radio. You want to you want to come on?" Talk about it. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. And so I think that within like a few days, they were in the studio. And we had this big oak table, and we had this like star thing that had microphones on these extension devices, like those old lamps, you know. And so we had uh, several microphones, and we had uh, three guys come from the church, different parts of the church, to my studio at uh, WEBY 1330 AM, uh, world's greatest uh, radio station as far as I'm concerned. Uh, It was called Northwest Florida's News and Talker. And so for a year and four months, I had my dream job. And I was in a studio. We had a producer. I had a good boss. You know, he gave me opportunities. I was able to do things that most, I would say, there wasn't a host in the country that was able to do what I was able to do at a regular radio station, which was to create an entirely new kind of radio called Action Radio with a citizen legislature. So because of that, I was able to get wonderful guests, and I was really building up what I thought was a fabulous community of people. We had local folks coming in. We had different people listening to the show. We had thousands of listeners. It was just, it was amazing what was going on. And then I was all taken away for basically doing what I was hired to do, which was action radio. Uh, and that, again, is a fascinating story of, uh, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, let me, let me pull it up here. I'm looking for it right now. So this was men's group from first Christian church. It was their men's conference. It was the first of, I think, four conferences we did by the guys. So I'll, I'll play other ones, uh, as we go here it is. So again, when you hear references to the W E B Y or a phone number other than two, one, five, three, eight, three, three, eight, three, two, that is from the recording from May. Uh, 16th of 2017. Let me lower the volume a little bit, because it's always too loud when it comes on my show. And here we go. At the end of this, it will pr- pretty much be time for uh, CJ uh, by the time this is over, and so we'll go right into her report as well. Um, back at the top of the hour. <laughs> You can tell we're going to have a very serious time here today, right?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, baby. 8.06 in the morning here. Time for the Action Radio Hour with Greg Panglos and the... Three gentlemen—I use the term (laughs) (laughs) loosely—gentlemen from the 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 first uh, city church of of Pensacola. So they're facebooking it live too. So you can go to your what's the what's the website title? Uh, Just first city church on Facebook. Okay, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And so I might look it up here. We can actually I can watch myself here on my computer screen, which should be kind of fun. So here's what happened. So I'm coming home from the dentist, all right? And so I'm driving down the road, and I think it's Gadsden. I uh, wrote mm-hmm. for the churches. What's the address? We should give Thirteenth and It's
3: 1301 East Gadsden.
1: Okay, that sounds mm-hmm. good. And so I'm driving home, and I see the sign for a city church. It's pretty. It's orange. I thought, well, that kind of attracts my attention. And then there's a sign underneath it that says Men's Conference. Okay, now you got my attention. You know, I've been like a men's rights guy for, for years and years and years, you know, interrupted by a marriage, which I'm not going to talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, a strong... Uh, a believer that that men need to have fellowship with men. We don't talk enough. We don't do a lot of stuff. And so I was really intrigued by this whole concept, and that's why you're sitting here right now. So this is this is action radio, and uh, you know any, anybody out there is fair game. So if I call your business or a government office or things like that, you never know when you're going to end up on the air here, and that's how, how this all happens. So Andy Cruz is, is the minister. And so, is it Reverend Andy, or what's your official title? <laughs> Andy. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Andy from now on. Well, yeah, well, Very I, official. Okay, well, do, you, you seem kind of casual, which is good. So, you're easy to talk to, right? Yeah, so, I try to be. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about the church first, then we'll get into the conference.
3: Okay, well, First City Church, it's a non-denominational church. Uh, our whole vision there is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. church has been around about 13 years. Uh, there, oh, there's four of us on staff. Uh, Pastor Rick Hazlip, he he brings the word every Sunday. He does an amazing job. Oh yeah. Where is
1: he? How come he's not here
3: today? Uh, we're we having a microphone I mean, mm-hmm. we're having a boys' club, and, you know, you just don't want your dad to come around Yeah, time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I what He's boss, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. he's the boss. <laughs> you know, we're
4: just, we're out here get, having fun behind his back.
3: <laughs>
1: better better
4: ask for forgiveness than for permission.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've never understood that. How did, what, what does that mean exactly? So you be act, <laughs> yeah. act first? Be, be bold. <laughs> oh, okay, <You laughs> be bold. You know, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, do what yeah. you want and just pay for the consequences later. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Ada, bring up in this, too. So, Ada, if you want to join the conversation, here, because you normally don't in this hour. Because I have guests, you know, somewhere out in the ether. But feel free if you have questions. I want to bring you in because I thought you get a kick out of this uh, this, this gathering here today. I good? can always
5: tell these guys are fun. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, we're having a great
1: time. This is a very serious church, right? So that's so, A Dog, the world's best producer. It, exactly. You heard the quote: A Dog oh, yeah. the world's greatest producer, yeah. greatest producer, greatest producer. Yeah, let's all say it together: one, two, three. A Dog, the, the world's, world's greatest, greatest producer. producer. <laughs>
5: Oh, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate
1: it. Okay. you got a bunch of guys together. And this is the thing, too. You know, we don't have to take this seriously all the time. I think, you know, that's one of the problems now. Life is too serious. Work is too serious. Family is too serious. You know, your wife or girlfriend says, we have to talk, which are like the four most dangerous oh. words. You know, you're already going, oh, yeah. I just, there we go. Anytime yeah. I
3: hear we need to talk, I just immediately think, what did I do? What did I do? My yeah. mind starts racing.
1: <laughs> See, mine's just the opposite. I say, no, we don't. <laughs> You need to talk <laughs> I need to listen. I, I need to like reload or, or you know or hit the, the the bicycle and go you know ride trails or things like that, so it's a whole different thing. but uh, so anyone in the church so your services are, are Sunday morning?: Yes yeah. Sunday
3: morning, we have two services nine and eleven o'clock
1: okay and so non-denominational how does how does that work
3: That means that we just welcome everybody and anybody okay. You know, we don't have, a, we're not like Catholics. We don't have specific things. We don't answer to the church. Okay. You know, we just welcome any Christians of, of all races, re, creeds, and, you know, just everyone's
1: so, welcome. So there's no national organization above you. This no. is an independent church. Independent, then. independent local church. I'm God, go. This sounds like fun. Um, my difficulty is I don't sit still very well, and, which you can probably guess. Um, but so so church services for me, unless it's really engaging, intriguing. A lot of times my mind wanders really fast. The same problem I have reading. I'm like ADHD to the maximum. So you know we do be... have
4: a play area.
1: Okay, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll probably do that too. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually
3: the children's minister. You can just come out, come back and play with the kids. Well, it's
0: not that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. No, I'm yeah. the same
5: way. I I definitely need um need to be engaged and when I was. Uh, thinking of a Sunday morning when you right. go and sitting, you know, it, just relaxing and, and hearing, you know, music or hearing somebody's voice. It's like, that sounds like a recipe for a nap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you but, want
5: church to be fun. But I, yeah. I don't I don't sleep at First City Church. Mm-hmm. I really, like, okay. I have, no matter how little sleep I get, like, it's, I mean, we're, Carl and kind of the team is there, bringing the worship music, okay. and uh, Rick's got a really—he always does really great research um, on his his talks and his sermons, and so okay. it's getting to hear that, and you're like, man, I didn't—I didn't think of it from that side of things. Yeah, and well, that's the end, what church
1: is supposed to do—is to yeah. get you to think of things that you wouldn't normally think of. So, why don't you introduce yourself, Brent, and then we'll get to Carl, and you can tell, right. tell your stories.
5: I'm uh, I'm Brent Wadzita. Um okay. I am—I've uh, been been going to um, First City Church actually for about three years. I've been been in town with my wife, and we moved down here from Virginia Beach, um, Virginia, uh, about three years ago. All right. What brought you here? Um, actually running a business, um, okay. so being able to help people with their finances and um, just walking through you know, how to pay off debt and how to invest.
1: What's the business name? You can give it on the air.
5: It's <laughs> Capital Choice Financial.
1: Yeah, which uh, is?
5: Which is a, um, I mean, we're a financial services company and okay. we work actually with Dave Ramsey locally in the area. Oh, there you go. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, we, we get to meet with a lot of families and okay. just try to teach you the things that you didn't learn in high
1: school about yeah. money. What's your affiliation with the church, what's your position there?
5: Uh my position with the church, I'm I'm um, right there a uh, regular tender with things. Okay. Um I help work with the finance
1: team. Um Well, that and, makes sense.
5: Yeah, that's kind of using my gifts where where God's uh planted me, so. Perfect. Carl? Yeah, I'm Carl Burt with a Y.
1: Okay.
4: And uh I am came to Pensacola because of the Air Force. I'm actually okay. active duty in the Air Force oh, right cool. now. And uh What's your job there? I am one of the individuals that helped corral all of the and herd all the cats there on Corey Station with uh, the Air Force students. The human cat and, cats? and everything. The human cat. Okay. <laughs> that's really so cool. You're a coordinator. I'm a a. you can call me that. I okay. just like to say I make people happy. Okay. So that's pretty much what I do. Well that's not good. Um yeah, so I'm and what church where I'm there at the church. I've been there for almost five years now. Okay. And uh, I'm their worship leader there. Okay. Uh, we have a great worship team. We have a great staff. Everything's great. I just say great constantly whenever I'm talking about first city church. Great. Yes. Yeah, so
0: it's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> Great. That it? was great. That was great.
1: <laughs> 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 well, we're a great church. This is a great day. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have a great day. Eh? We'll be in oh, yeah, <laughs> now. So we're in <laughs> the great way. Great. Eh? Yeah. So we yeah. can be Bob and Doug McKenzie. Hey? <laughs> and I'm going to check your great Facebook page when we take the break here in a minute. And we'll see how great. You really are. Who great, great. Before you, let's get your, your story, uh, Andy. How would you get involved in church? and uh, um, hmm. How much time you have? Oh, we we <laughs> have <laughs> an hour, right? <laughs> okay, we got the rest of the hour. We've we got to take a break, so I'll give you like two minutes. So I'm right, originally
3: ahead. from Pennsylvania. The military brought me down here. Pennsylvania yeah. to Pensacola. Yeah, Pennsylvania to we got that, Pens- we got that like theme, theme going TNT. on there. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. 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 Well, I got arrested for my second DUI over in Fort Walton mm. Beach. I was in the Air Force over there. Right. I had no God in my life or anything. And okay. I was going to move back to Pennsylvania and buy a bar because they were going to turn the bar I grew up in, into into a church, and that appalled me. Wow. <laughs> okay. So then I went How to rehab.
1: So different. Uh, different uh, interesting. Where, you had a conversion then.
3: Yeah, it, truly. You know, every time I go in the Fort Walton Beach and I see the publics there, it's, I think okay. that's where my life changed. That's where I was arrested for my second DUI, which wow. sent me to rehab, okay. which sent me into a relationship with God. First City Church was there. How
1: did that happen? How did that conversion happen?
3: Uh, Well, in rehab, they they start talking about... Um, a higher power, God, things like that. So it sent me searching for something. Okay. And when I was searching for something I found First City Church okay. back in two thousand and three. So I walked in the door as a non believer and now I'm on staff.
1: Wow. So and you weren't a minister, you know, no. at any point. So 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 you then did you go to school for being a minister?
3: No, I I graduated UWF with a degree in philosophy and religion. Okay. And just uh, was That's a great background actually.
1: Yeah. And so it's
3: been it's been really good. I've okay. been learning as I've been on staff as well.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, it's 814. We're going to take a little break now. We're going to come back. We'll start talking about the men's conference, the various programs, the schedule, things like that. Get on the line now. Call us at 623-1330 if you want to talk to the guys. Uh, So we have Andy, Carl, and Brent here uh, from First City Church. And I'm going to see if I can uh, find the the Facebook page, and and we can watch ourselves for a minute and see what's (laughs) going on here. So this is Greg Penglis with the Action Radio Hour, 815 on 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's Talk Radio. (laughs)
0: They think we dumb, dumb,
2: ditty, dumb, they they know about they know about they know about they know about they gon' know about us, they gon' know about they gon' know about us, they gon' know about they gon' know about us, they gon' know about
0: us, they gon' know about they gon'
1: know about us, they gon' know about us, they gon' know 818, 18. we've <laughs> got uh, First City Church here, we've got the guys, we've got uh, Carl, uh, Andy, and Brent. And I want I to read something from your website, and we're get to about the, the men's conference here. Uh, you say, a war is waging, a daily battle for our hearts, <clears throat> our minds, and our souls. You are stuck behind enemy lines. Before you swore allegiance to Jesus, the enemy had nothing against you. Now a servant of the king, you are the primary target of an enemy bent on the destruction of you and your family. Andy?
3: Yeah, that's off of our Facebook page for the Men's Conference, and that, that statement is really just summing up, you know, what our Men's Conference is going to be about. You know, there is a war waging against men right now, okay. against men, against masculinity. You know, the the enemy, what he would love to do is to just push men down, shove men down so that we're not men, we're not the leaders that our families, that our community, that our churches need us to be. And yeah. so, the, you know, we're, we're just taking that line, and we just want to, at this conference,
1: just empower men to be men. Okay. I mean, I feel that all the time. You know, feminism—the good part about it is, is raising women up. The bad part is trying to put men down in the process. You know, there's this whole like on campuses the, the rape culture they talk about. You know, so so if you're a guy, you're almost responsible for all the evils of the world, you know, no matter what, it's automatically like put upon you. You're assumed to be guilty, whereas a woman might be assumed to be innocent in the same situation. I'm thinking of like teachers, you know, accused of, of, of molesting their younger students. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see a difference in treatment in, in jail sentences and things like that. Uh, guys, you know, divorces. I think it's like women file 70% of uh, of the divorce. I'm not. This is not a women-bashing hour, but it, it's a question of, of, you know, you hear that guys are always afraid of commitment, yet we're not the ones filing for divorce. Okay, so, I mean, there's all these things going on, and I'm sure you're going to be talking about uh, various issues and things. Let's, let's hear about, uh, Andy, do you have a, a program you're running at the conference particularly?
3: Uh, yeah, I'll be speaking about, um, the whole team of the conference is No Man Left Behind, Okay, and I'll be speaking about leaving No Man Left Behind. What does that mean exactly? That means that, you know, as Christian men, as just men in general, there are men looking to look into those who've been around a while and saying, "Hey, I need guidance. I need leadership." Okay. You know, and it's taking a look behind me and saying, "Who can I pull along up beside me? Who can I build up to join me? Yeah. Who, you know, who needs help in their walk with Christ? Who needs help with their wives, with yeah. their families, with okay. their girlfriends, and just pulling them along and giving them the help that they need, rather than you know, it's partnering together." Right. and not just doing life alone.
1: Yeah, I think guys do that. Our tendency is to be pioneers, is to be lone mm-hmm. wolf. You know, we, we want to be out there you know, doing what we can. We feel uh, a sense of accomplishment when we can do something for ourselves. And this is why you know, I wrote an article on how technology feminizes uh, men. Uh, and what it was interesting, the, the theory that uh, you know, if we don't ask directions, it's because we're stupid. Okay? This is the common line. You'll see it in commercials and you see things like that. No, the reason we don't ask directions is we like the challenge of trying to find our way back. Mm-hmm. You know? And so if you look at it that way, it's a totally different perspective on, on what, what men are and what it means to be men. So I like being the, the, the person. I, I drive a stick shift car because it's more interesting than driving an automatic. Okay? Yeah. I would take a map and a compass rather than a GPS because it's more challenge. And so what's looked upon by by men, too, you know, the the, the whole metrosexual, you know, differing kind of, uh, I guess, you know, gender-confused group out there, you know, there's some they feel like there's a problem being men, so the millennials particularly. Do you have a, a thing for young men to sort of give them role models and some guidance? Do, do we have any program like that in this conference?
4: We do. This conference is okay. really based on establishing that mentorship and okay. mentee program uh, so that we can have those that, you know, both where the mentor and the mentee are getting something out of it. Okay. They're ultimately learning from each other. They're building each other up. And it gives that outlet for the two men to come together okay. uh, or even a few of the groups that want to come together and just share with each other not just life experiences but that have been, been in the past, but life experiences that are going on now. Yeah. And for those younger ones, like the millennials you spoke about, or the the twenty to, the, to, to thirty year olds. Yeah. You know, it's it's very much needed.
1: Because okay. in, in, for... they're not getting a good message on in school, oh, yeah. and unless they they have uh, you know a strong father, you know, you're not going to get necessarily a good role model. So let's talk about that. Single moms raising raising men are trying to. Mm. My contention is, you know, as much as they try to do a wonderful job, there's something that men have to get from other older mentor men. I mean, you look at societies that have gone back to you know some of our most ancient cultures, that they had some kind of a male hierarchy. I had Boy Scouts. I had male teachers in Australia. I've had, you know, I used to have, you know, a friend of mine's fathers that I would talk to just to talk to other men, just to learn and get examples. And so I think that's missing in our culture big time right now. We don't have the same rituals. We don't have the same uh, things because we're sort of trying to breed masculinity out. And it's not a bad thing. Violence is a bad thing, but that's not masculinity. Mm-hmm. Do you talk about that at all?
5: Okay. Anger, anger
1: issues, things like that? Yeah.
5: Yeah, that's especially to with the, um, like looking at the, the analogy of war. Okay. Um, you know, on a, we're at the men's conference, we're tied in the spiritual war okay. that happens on all men's hearts. And, and really what we're looking at is, you know, beyond what you know the, the messages of the world, what, however you label them, whatever they might be, okay. it's really uh, the, the agenda of the enemy and so Who's the enemy the enemy is satan okay uh, absolutely you know satan looking to destroy take the brokenness that he has in his mind okay. of you know what what should be wrong uh, okay. how to separate us from god um since you know the very beginning that separation okay. um was was occurring through his inciting and so from the enemy's agenda. If we know what that is and understand it, um, then we can watch out for it, okay. and we can strategize against it.
1: Where do you see that in society, where, or, or men's lives, where, where where the enemy is really doing the worst damage? Well, it's what you what you mentioned.
4: It's about the the, the demasculinity of, okay. of men. You know, uh, we look at it in throughout history and biblical history, where we can see where the the male was attacked whenever there was a, a, a an idea of a leader coming up right whether that was with Moses in his time and Jesus in his time you know the leaders of that time were led through enemy influence or the adversary's influence through satan's influence yeah. to cause genocide of boys you know and yeah. in order for a man who's coming up to not happen
1: take the firstborn yeah. men
4: because they're the generally the natural leaders oh yeah, and, and, yeah. and I think we as men Okay. Totally, you know, need to understand that there is a great war against us okay. to not be men, but we serve a, a God who can uh, victorious over it.
3: Okay. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, when you're talking about single mothers, I was thinking back to to myself growing up. And I think a lot, a lot of this men's conference, a lot of what I want to see out of it just stems from – what I didn't have growing okay. up, and what I what I need, or what I you know, I feel like men need. You know, growing up, my mom pretty much was a single mom. Right. Yeah, we had it. My did dad the best did, she could. She did the best she could. Yep. My dad was in and out of the picture. He was a very aggressive, uh, abusive man, and yeah. so for, out of that stemmed for me. Uh, almost, inti- I'm intimidated by men. Okay. And so when I first started coming to the church and looking around, I needed positive. Older men influence speaking into my life to build me up to give me what i didn't receive growing up right. and it was i wasn't it wasn't until in my late twenties early you know, mid to late twenties where I started getting that male guidance and it was in the church yeah. and and it forever changed my life you know and then there's statistics. I'm not sure the exact the exact statistics. One of you may know, okay. but uh, we didn't bring them with you. Or
1: come on, get space on the desk here. Next time
3: you come, in, we'll, we'll next, next time I'll, like that. I'll bring my, yeah. my, my, my iMac and, and that, my you can do iPad. That. Yeah, that's fine. Go the, ahead. The, the statistic th- is something that um, with families that are going okay. to church, if you get the the husband, if you get the father, the rest of the family will follow. Okay. Whereas if you get the mother. The husband probably won't follow. Interesting. And so it's all about, I forget, I think it's like 80%. 85%, I think it's really? is it is. Really? If the man goes? If the man goes, you're 85% more likely to get the whole family to come.
1: Wow. So. That's huge. Do you notice that in your own church?
4: We, we do, know. yeah. Even, even times when the children come, okay. and then if we can get a hold of, like, the dad. Yeah. He finds that oh, this isn't like you know you're beating me over the head with the Bible. Yeah. Our the model of our church since since I've been there has been unconditional love okay. and unadulterated word. But when it comes to the unconditional love part, sometimes you know the, the the scriptural doctrine takes over instead of allowing that love of Christ to show. So First City is very good at allowing people to feel okay. unconditional. Love So that's what gets it. I think
1: I want to go. I mean, there's just so many churches in this area. It's mm-hmm. interesting. And I've had some some great offers from from some, some churches. I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. And so I have to find what works for me. And this, in an independent church like this might be interesting. Well,
4: we'd love to have oh. you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank love you. Love I
1: appreciate that. that. Do you think um, the gang problem, where young men are brought into gangs, uh, because uh, there was an English philosopher, I think Chichester, who said, "If you don't believe in something, you'll believe in anything." anything. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a belief in something. And if that something is God, then that's that's going to put you on a, on a great path. But you're going to have to believe you're going to believe in something somewhere along the way. And so if you don't have a father uh, structure, if you don't have a family structure, if you don't have a church structure, uh, you might have a gang to replace that. Do you mm-hmm. see that? Is, are you doing work with this at all? Or uh, oh yeah, that that
4: okay. is a that is what we would call an illegitimate feel for a legitimate need. Okay, hmm. yeah. So there's a need there for a men to be a part of, of, of a men's group and get with other men. But as you as you said, yeah. they're filling that that need with
5: uh, the game. And yeah, that speaks to something too, as okay. as far as you know, the innate desire of of being in a community, being in relationship uh, with other guys who right. are going, going through that same kind of coming of age yeah. seasons, and being able to know that okay, there's there's a group that cares for me that's got going to watch my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, like you said, that's that's lost art in today's culture especially yeah. the rituals are, aren't there um, because we you know aren't going back and, and understanding that hey we're we need to be interdependent uh, in order to to increase our impact on what we can do yeah so and, and i think you know that's something at that men's conference we will talk about how we're wired you know exactly. how God wires
1: us as men oh uh, yeah and that's a that's a huge topic and you know i think it's like the the, the couple places where men can just be you know themselves sports mm-hmm. uh yeah. and military you know, mm-hmm. probably two good examples, but I mean, there aren't a lot of. And if you're not in those, I was in music, you know, and it was it was a, a mixed group, but it, you know, it was it was fun to be to belong to something. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's nice Boy, like yeah, Boy Scouts, yeah, I did Boy Scouts. Eagle uh, Scouts, so. uh, okay. was that?
5: I'm an Eagle Scout. So Eagle Scout. Oh, congratulations! My, my dad still volunteers, even though my brother and I are grown out. And oh wow! Y'all have yeah. like a, like a secret shaker, <laughs> nose thing, y'all do. I don't Eagle think scout for, for Eagle <laughs> Scout. No. <laughs> no.
1: See, I was in Australia when I was a scout, mm. so we didn't have an Eagle Scout uh, down there. But I still ended up getting all the badges just because I like accomplishing things, mm. and that's something I think is missing too. Men like to accomplish things.
0: Yeah, we mm-hmm. like to,
1: you know. And so when you remove the manufacturing jobs, mm-hmm. you know, we don't do service jobs as well. You, know, mm-hmm. you take a stack of papers and you put them from one side of the desk to the other. We're not really accomplishing something. Whereas, you know, I wrote a book. And so I can, I, whenever I see a copy of that book, it's like, I wrote that, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. I was a flight instructor, loved it, and oh, cool. getting back into it. Mm-hmm. But I had that book, and I can say, I did that, you know, uh, raised a daughter. I can say, I did that. Uh, you know, I don't build things because I'm terrible at it, but, I mean, <laughs> the guys who are in construction, you know, every time you drive by a building, you say, I uh-huh. built that. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I, I did the, the carpentry, or I did the plumbing, or I did the electrical. We need to, to build and to create. If you look at the, the dreamers of the world, mm-hmm. it's usually men. Yeah. You know, almost, You know, the, the, the crazy people, the crazy ideas. <laughs> Look at the crazy ideas in history. The airplane. Mm.
3: Yeah. What a it Dumb was, idea that yeah. was. That would never
1: succeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sailing, <laughs> sailing. You know, you can't sail too far away because you'll fall off the edge of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, the flat earthers. You, you can't go sailing around the world. What about uh, landing on the moon? Oh, dumb idea. Happens? Stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not practical. Uh uh-uh. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's crazy. And I think we're losing our dreaming. Mm-hmm. You know, we're losing our vision. Uh, we're losing what makes us, you know, men because we're we're coming into this where well, we have to be practical and we have to be logical. I say nonsense. Dream. And that's how we got computers. You know, mm-hmm. a couple guys tinkering in a garage in in yeah. San Jose, yeah. you know, uh, Jobs and Wozniak, mm-hmm. you know, came up with uh, this amazing invention. We need to take a little break now, and we're going to get back. I want to talk about the exact schedule of uh, mm-hmm. events Friday through Saturday, and it looks like we got our first call coming in as well. Cool. So, uh, Adag, you can throw us into a break. Uh, we'll get that. And then uh, 831, Greg Pengliss here the Action Radio Hour, 1330 W.E.B.Y. All I need is 116 to brag on my king. Romans 116. We brag about him, baby, break, because right, you this thing. Can I do it? Yeah. Yeah. do it?
4: Can I do it? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Go. Here we go again.
1: One for the one, six, is
2: We it. One for
0: the one, sit only him. If again, one, to get one, good Here we go again. For
4: this in front of me, got my two go eyes After that Love it. Great I mean music. Oh. Keep it oh, up. Oh man, 116 is the bomb.
1: Yeah. Oh, there, there you go. The All right. Yeah. So it's 835 in the morning. We've got uh, three guys here from the, the men's conference at First City Church, and that's going to be Friday and Saturday. A couple things I want to do. First, we were talking accomplishments. So let's talk about our accomplishments, okay? Me, I'm proud of the fact that I, I moved out here, took a job knowing nobody. I didn't even, I didn't even met uh, Mike, the boss. I mean, we did this all by phone and email. Four months after open-heart surgery. Wow. wow. Okay? Wow. So just packed up, crossed the whole country, took a total risk, and it's worked out perfectly. Also awesome. So don't be afraid to take a risk. Uh, written a book, raised a daughter, uh, moved to the uh-huh. Bay Area, San Francisco, totally on my own, started over there. So starting over is not a problem for me. Uh, I don't want to do it again right away. You know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, risk taking is is not a problem. That's that's what I'm proud of. How about Andy? What are you proud of?
3: Right now, I'm, I'm most proud of my family. Okay. Yeah, you know, I married a wife who's way out of my league, and so okay. I mean, she she took a step down, I took ten steps up. Yeah. And we have well, two beautiful, ch- yeah. <laughs> we have two beautiful children. So yeah. when I come home, I think of, I just think of my life today, and I think, you know, these are gifts that I've been given. Right. But earlier, when you're talking about, uh, you know, we want to accomplish something, we see some, you know, I. I'm a, on the side, I do painting, paint houses, yeah. and I painted through college. It's Man about stuff. My yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> I like this. Power, power, power. Man work. <laughs> Every time I, I drive by a house that I painted, I tell my wife I painted that. She, she's tired of hearing it. But I'm proud of it. Well, you know, top. like I did to that. Don't get over it. You know, or I, I hung billboards for Lamar for about nine months. Okay. And I'll go about, you know, I used to do that. I hung one of those billboards. Or I worked on that board. Yeah. And so
1: it's just, you it's know. It's accomplishment. It's yeah. it's who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to do stuff like that. Uh, Carl, what you got?
4: Yeah. I, same with Andy. I'm so, so proud of my family and okay. that accomplishment itself. Uh, you know, been married for coming up on 19 years with my wife. I've been in the military for 19 years. Uh,
1: have so you got to both at the same time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I met her in
4: basic training. Okay. So she, she hooked me right at the beginning. Okay. You know, I was running. Right. You know, but she grabbed me and okay. I, she put that voodoo trick on me. Seems to have it. worked
1: out well, though. Yeah.
4: I, I'm still brainwashed. It works, though. It okay. Works. <laughs> Every morning I get reconditioned so okay. I can still, you know. We can talk uh, about that at yeah. the conference. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my, my children, you know, I got a, uh, three great kids. Okay. Um, one that is adopted. He's actually my brother-in-law. Okay. And I love them tremendously, and, and my two kids, that go to Pace High. Uh, but other than that, man, I, I'm just – my biggest accomplishment, uh, all those are symptoms of my greatest accomplishment, which for me is just giving my, my whole life to Jesus Christ. Okay. That's my biggest thing.
1: So, there you go. Yeah. Uh Brett?
5: Yeah, no, Carl uh, hit the nail on the head. It's like you not know, say uh, that well. Thinking, thinking <laughs> about uh, all the accomplishments we do have are, are done by the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. There you go. Um, but, you know, that's, that's something where as we celebrate those accomplishments, we also celebrate who God is in our lives. Okay. Uh, so uh, today is the, uh, it marks my, my daughter's seven weeks old right oh, now. Oh, congratulations. So, so, yeah, thank that's you. I wonderful. didn't really sleep much last night. Well, no, actually, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm going to step back and say I slept well last night right. because my wife <laughs> sacrificially stayed oh, up holding, that, you know, holding the pacifier in and making sure that Eliana was able to sleep and just a <laughs> so a great point.
1: So you can, you can celebrate as men, celebrate women. And celebrate yeah. wives and celebrate mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not trying to separate here. Oh, definitely. Um, but uh, but you know, so if women want to call in too, I'd be curious to to know what women think of of the men's conference. Maybe they know a guy that uh, you know has some things he wants to talk about, yeah. and and maybe not want to talk about it himself. And, and a woman you know r- might have that perception and, mm-hmm. and and direct the guy you know where he might not listen to other guys. That's great. You know, so that's yeah. something interesting to think about too. Um, you want to talk about that? Or you want to get to our schedule for the conference?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, we can get to the schedule. Okay, let's do that. What do we So for, for, the, for the men's conference on Friday night. Friday this night's going to be... This Friday the 19th. Yes. Can we get... Can someone give, like, a monster truck voice? Like, Friday,
1: Friday. Friday, Friday
5: night, <laughs> right now. Mark, uh, May 19th and
0: 20th. Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> Friday,
1: Friday. And that <laughs> was the Men's Conference at First Church, Pensacola. Oh, okay. yeah. How's that? Be there, brother.
0: Okay, great brother. introduction. Hulkamaniac
1: <laughs>
5: in here, too. Oh, yeah,
3: brother. <laughs> still, I'm still
5: trying to figure out the microphone. Well, you'll <laughs> get there. You're doing four fingers.
3: <laughs> right? so What's so Friday schedule? night, we, got, um, we have two speakers. Okay. I'm going to be speaking... About leaving no man behind, and okay. we have a man named Teddy. Teddy's a fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. His okay. life was changed three years ago at our first men's conference, mm-hmm. and so now he's given back. Good. And he's going to be speaking about intentional living. What's that's, that? That's living with purpose. Okay. You know, what What am I doing with my life, and why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. And so just making choices in your life The. Or, with, or they're intentional. Okay. And afterwards, we're going to have an after party. Okay. The after party, I think, is going to be probably the funnest thing we're going to do. We're going to have a cornhole tournament. What's and that? we're gonna A cornhole, it's a game with uh, beanbags. Okay. And so you try to get beanbags into a hole on a board. And we're going to have a tournament with that. We're going to pair men up, you know, because men, you know, we're, we're better together, but we don't want to talk very so often. And so we're just going to pair them up and play a game. Okay. Winner's going to get trophies, and oh, then yeah. at this thing, we're going to have tons of barbecue. Meat. We're going to have brisket. Bacon. Bacon. You bacon. Know, bacon's the theme. I heard there's Bacon. 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 There, man man bacon. Man food. A bacon. Yeah.
1: We're talking about man work and man yeah. food. No
4: no, no vegetables or broccoli. No ever. arugula? No no
1: arugula. <laughs> okay. bacon. No, arugula? We're not, not gloom free here, right? <laughs> no. Okay, so we're, we're definitely, definitely carnivores? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is man food. This is man food. Okay, good. So, okay. What time does this
3: all start? This starts uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock.
1: Okay, goes till when?
3: Uh, the after party will probably wrap up around 10. The after party will start at 8.30. Okay, mm-hmm. got music? Uh, we'll have music, yeah, Carl's, oh, yeah. Carl, he's our worship leader, there and go. the worship band will be bringing it.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. We've got a call here, so we'll take uh, Charles, and then we'll get to Saturday's schedule. Cool. Charles, you're on the air. Hello, Charles. Going once, going twice. Charles, you're not on the air. Okay, so back to Saturday.
0: <laughs> oh, <it's the> Saturday. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: I wonder, yeah. Saturday
3: morning, we'll be starting off with uh, breakfast at 7 7 o'clock, and we're going to be having uh, meat burritos, okay. and Carl's going to be speaking that morning, and his his tagline is, it's about to get real, Okay, real, and I, we don't know exactly what he's going to be talking about, he won't tell us, will <laughs> not it's <laughs> all okay, so, so mm-hmm. about re, being real, real, yeah. and then after breakfast, we're going to have a few more talks uh, about spiritual warfare, Um, leadership. What is
1: spiritual warfare? Go into that. I'm kind of curious. I don't usually hear those words put together.
4: Yeah, spiritual warfare is something that, you know, in the Bible we talk, you know, we hear God's words telling us that the battle that we are fighting is not one of flesh and blood and bone. It's, It's actual one of a spiritual aspect of principalities higher than what we can see. So basically, When we as men are fighting against the physical person in front of us, whether it be our children, our wives, our our friends, even ourselves, it's not so much us that we're fighting the flesh and blood. We're not fighting against Uh, you, I'm not fighting against you, Greg, if I have a disagreement and it's something that's tearing us apart. Uh We're fighting against the forces behind it that are causing us to not unify together. As men, this conference is bringing us together to say, listen, man. We have different ideas of everything. We have different influences around us. And sometimes what Satan does as the adversary, it causes us to have confusion brought about in our time of bringing us together. So you know what? Let's point at him at this is what the issue is. Get it to where it's squashed so that we can come together and allow God, who is the one that gives us all of – every being to be mightier than than he who is of the world then we can conquer that together it
5: doesn't matter yeah and this is really like a, a tactical training session as well go right? into that See mm-hmm. it. so um, when you're thinking of uh, what your strategy is you always have to consider the strategy of the enemy okay um, and so in the sense of well if, if there's Forces at work that are against what i 'm trying to do to accomplish things or trying to do to create or build things okay. um, you know for my family for you know a greater purpose something bigger than myself, um, then I have to recognize the strategy of the enemy and that 's too confused it is too uh, you know scatter
1: and um, How are men being confused these days? What's, what's sort of some of the obstacles?
5: There's all sorts of messages out there about okay. um, what it means to be a man. Right. Um, if, you, if you're going off the relative um, ideas and, you know, hey, this, this idea over here says um, you, you don't need to, um, you know, have any sort of uh, sense of purpose.
0: Right.
1: Or
5: over here, you know, you don't need to have any sense of difference uh, between men and women. Uh, you can just be the same, you know, human. We're not the same. Right. You know, we're yin
1: and yang. We are two parts of a whole, and it doesn't work unless you have, we're fulfilling our part. One thing that galls me, and it probably does you too, I don't know if you talk about this at the conference, I am sick and tired of men being portrayed as idiots on commercials, Mm. on TV shows, on all kinds of places. You look, I was watching a battery ad. The woman has the cell phone calling for help. Uh, for the car battery, uh, you look at this this thing. I remember, there's a jungle out a while back. You had uh, you had Tarzan and Jane, okay? <laughs> and Tarzan doesn't know where the waterfall is, mm-hmm. but uh, but Jane's the one talking to the chimpanzee, expecting it to speak English, and nobody comments on that, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So this whole portrayal, we are portrayed mm-hmm. as idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have a section on that? Uh, we if you try. don't have one, I'll do that one. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: You can come and speak on yeah, that. Deal. Greg is going to be at the Minute 5 speech here. Could I give a quick shout-out? I see yeah. my wife joined the Facebook sure, live. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, so man. I just want to say, hey, baby, I love you. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Oh, he gets points for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Does she treat you like an idiot? <laughs>
5: no, she doesn't. There you go. Well, if Andy's making shout-outs, I just want to say my wife is listening okay. right now with my parents cool. uh, and my uh, awesome. my little daughter, Eliana. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Love so, you, baby.
1: People but, can listen online, too. 1330weby.com. We actually got a person listening in Taiwan, awesome. and I had a student co-anchor in here, because so I do that for high school kids. So they yeah. have the opportunity to spend one hour with me. They do a news story. They do a sports story, a weather briefing, and an editorial. We've only had one student so far, but his grandfather was listening online in Taiwan. That's amazing. Which was really... That's the power of radio. Yeah. yeah. So That's why I like to it do is. this this kind of stuff here. Yeah, go ahead. We we were, uh, we were talking.
4: Oh, yeah, you know, I think we were just talking about just the, the whole thing with the spiritual warfare and, okay. and everything, and the idiot part, idiot. you know, as
1: you said. Yes, I you think know. of being true, you know, you, yeah. everywhere you look. I mean, how are guys supposed to get decent role models? You used to have, you know, the, the John Wayne. You know, you had the strong mm-hmm. figure. You had the, the, the military hero, Sergeant York. Mm-hmm. You had all kinds of different things, you know, guys being portrayed, the inventors, yeah. you know, uh, the crazy delusional ones, you know, and then that's okay, too, mm-hmm. because without them, we don't get stuff. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that as much anymore. It's, it's much more socialized group think you know we're all divided into groups and that's a whole other topic you know we can get on as well oh, yeah. can I
3: touch on that real quick sure of course you can the, I, was, I wrote down before I came in um, a verse from First Corinthians 16 13 14 it says be watchful Stand okay. firm in faith act like men be strong let all that you do be done in love and okay. as part is you know being portrayed like idiots because i I'd it say I'm going to I'm going to not say that but if we as men as right. Christian men live the lives that God calls us to live okay I think that paradigm would change, yeah you know if if we 're living the lives that Jesus called us to live, if we look to the Bible for our examples, okay. if we look for our role models, if we look to Christ, I think that whole paradigm of men being idiots will change
1: I hope so let's let 's take our last break and then we 'll find out what uh, what it means to be called uh, what, what is the life that we are called for as men, um, according to the Bible of Jesus God and anybody we can uh, we can we can figure you know what 's going on things you've discovered on your own pathway. Well, yeah. uh, It'll be interesting to talk about. 846, we'll be right back with uh, the guys from uh, First City Church of Pensacola, talking about the Men's Conference 1330 WEBY. <laughs>
2: Church mother in a church, church hat, clap when it should, every color purple coming back, clap <laughs> uh. when that whole week beat <laughs> you, you, you up, especially but you hear that organ playing, never
0: mind you of oh, your blessings. and on no another note, she just had another note. And Facebook Live, by
1: the way if you want to check in it's the first city church uh, website so feel free uh, first city church Facebook page uh, we've got all kinds of stuff going on we just have a few minutes left so you know I still want to invite uh, any man out there that wants to talk to find out more about this to call in 623 1330 any woman that wants you know more uh, knowledge about this you know this is we're not limiting to anybody uh, here but if you know someone that might be interested in this conference please let them know so let's get some some contact information then we'll go into Saturday schedule and uh, see what where we go from there
3: all right so if you're interested you have or if you have questions you can help me email me at the church it's a cruce that's a c-r-u-s-e at firstcitychurch.org and i spell out because people either put a z on it or they mistake me with tom because i'm better looking there you go so it's a <laughs> c-r-u-s-e at firstcitychurch.org or you can call our church office at 850-433-0210 uh, you can check us out on Facebook or the website is www.firstcitychurch.org.
1: Yeah, firstcitychurch.org is the easiest way to go because you have all the other contact information mm-hmm. there too. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's uh, what's Saturday bringing us from when to when times, all that kind of good stuff.
3: Saturday we kick off uh, seven a.m. Okay. Uh, with a breakfast. Uh, Carl's going to be bringing it, and then later on that day we have... Waffle House, uh, right? Waffle, no. wa- <laughs> Waffle House. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these guys are all at Waffle House before they came here today. <laughs> no I talking to about that. was Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, we got Mike. Brent's going to be speaking on leadership, okay. and then Pastor Rick is going to be bringing it at the end of the day, uh, and we'll have lunch. But after each one of these talks, we're going to break men up into small groups. Okay. So that they can, one, get together and just meet other men, and two, they can dive deeper into the subject together if they so choose. Okay. Why is it so important for men to talk to men? well because men can speak into other men's lives. Okay. Like uh, for me I've been for the past 10 years I've been meeting every Thursday morning at Waffle House with a gentleman from my church who he okay. he's led me and he's guided me and I've needed that guidance. Okay. And so men need to be in relationship with each other. They need to be talking to each other and just men iron sharpens iron. Yeah, I can
1: see it right here. Just the four of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we've never met. We're having a great time talking Mm -hmm. as guys, and I'm loving it. So I I think another thing
5: too is the world doesn't have a lot of forum uh, or, or places for men to speak into. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of noise that's out there. Right. Um, so this is kind of a place where you can, you know, come speak your mind, get to share ideas, and okay. also process. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I've been hearing this and this and this, and which one is true? Which one is, you yeah. know, the, the one that's actually anchored in the Word of God? Yeah. And that's where we get to talk through that together and be able to, you know, work out our faith, you know, through fear and trembling, and also of, of, of knowing that, hey there's there 's things that we don 't understand, but we walk through and understand um, by being with each other okay.
1: so what does God call us to do as men
5: as men
4: uh, I, and I was just thinking about something very similar to that as you were asking about you know why men need to talk to men okay. uh, i I use my dad as an example, my dad has been married to my mom for almost fifty years, and wow. uh, I have a great example in him of what God calls us to be as men okay. ultimately. Uh, in the example that he's given to me and my brothers and my sister, uh, is that God has called him to be an absolute, total submissive servant to Jesus Christ. Okay. And when you do that, it is amazing how everything literally falls into line. When you give up all of who you are to all of who he is, okay. Jesus is, uh, the power that you get, the authority that you get, the uh, confirmation that you get in life uh it's humbling and it's 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 impressive it's amazing and you gotta you know find that balance to where you say it's not a me God calls us to do. Just give up who we are yeah. so that he can have full control.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I've tried to do uh, here. I'm just sort of letting this process happen. Mm-hmm. And so whereas I would try and like force, you know, the agenda on myself, and I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, and then accomplishment comes in. The, the bad side of accomplishment is the requirement to accomplish. I have to have this much money by a certain age. I have to have this mm-hmm. kind of job after all these kind of things. And none of that makes any sense. You know, here I am, you know, late 50s starting something completely new. And it's like, I just said, I'm just going to go with it. You know, God, go ahead. Just open the door or doorway mm-hmm. up, you know, mm-hmm. open the road up. I'm just going to start driving, mm-hmm. you know, and inside and so I seem to a place I've never been mm-hmm. to do something in radio that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. You know, I should tell you, but my, my goal with, with uh, the program here is to create action radio and so you might be interested in this, uh, depending on on, uh, what kind of issues, where the audience is going to become a citizen legislature. We're going to start filing and and, uh, writing our own bills on the air. Awesome. And so we'll be connecting with legislators, state and federal, and I've already uh, talked to Congressman Gates and some others. So there's a lot of things going to be happening here, and I'm just saying – you know, whatever happens, happens. I'll take it as far as I can, but I know I can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm sort of putting my faith out there and connecting with, with folks like you and, and other people as we have by the guests to see what we can accomplish. And also. God is faithful in your,
5: your, the steps of faith that you're taking. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like if, if you trust that the door is opening and you trust that, you know, you can walk forward, then, you know, those steps are going to be directed. Yeah, so. It's already prepared.
1: But you've got to take that leap of faith. Yeah. yeah, yeah and as yeah, I say, don't be afraid to risk. Oh, yeah. Because you never know what can happen, and you're not doing it alone. You know, that's and that's once you sort of realize that, you think, okay, and what's the worst thing that can happen? You have to consider that. Yeah. the worst thing is, you know, I just uh, it didn't work out, and I, I do something else. Mm. But uh, that's not really a thought in my head. <laughs> 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 Seriously, I mean, I don't. I, mean, I absolutely said, okay, this is what I'm doing. It's going to work. I'm going to be fine. This will be a national show. Oh, yeah. I am going to change radio, yeah. and things are going to happen. We have a couple minutes left. Sum up. Let me know what you, uh, whatever you want to say to uh, the one folks out one there. One quick
5: thing I want to throw out there yeah. um, is to say, guys. Guys, make make it a point and make it a priority to get here. Okay. If you have a work schedule, see who can you know cover a shift for you. Okay. Uh, if if you're going to talk to your family, say you're you're got a, a wife and kids, see what you can do. Um, you know, wives, women who are out there, do what you can. Volunteer to babysit the kids. Yeah. We'll watch for that. Help the guys out. Um, you know, and yeah. it, help help you guys get to this conference because okay. this is going to help put a lot of other things in society back in order. And
1: it'll help them when they come back to the family. Mhm. Yeah.
5: Yeah,
3: every man who comes to this is going to be a better husband, a better father, a better man in general. Okay. But I also mm-hmm. want to say that, you know, men, we're going to be doing a women's conference here in September.
1: And we'll so get you back for that. Mm-hmm.
3: We'll you will yeah. come back. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. But men, yeah, y- y'all need to encourage your wives. Okay. You go to attend the women's conference. Okay. They they're just going to become better women, better f well, better so refreshed by
4: it, Christ. too. Right. Yeah, First City Church as a whole as I as I said earlier, is a church of
1: unconditional love,
4: and I'm gonna tell you,
1: I can see that. That's I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious it, from everything we've talked is, about. It is. Yeah.
4: It's great, and yeah. that was what was our hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. So, okay. if if you are searching for a church uh, that you just want to be a part of, even just to sit and listen, or yeah. just enjoy the worship, or just actively get a part of. Really, come visit us 9 and 11 o'clock, 1301 East Gadsden, okay. right there in Pensacola. Cross Street,
1: where, where is it?
4: Well, Yeah, uh, Cervantes, it's a block off of Cervantes, yeah. so Gadsden and 13th. Where they if you know it. where that Krispy Kreme donut
1: mm. place is. The donuts, there you go. Now yeah. I'm going. There you go. If
4: you know where that is, I can it's, handle that. that's on 9th and Cervantes. Just go four blocks up to 13th, make a right, and you'll see us.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Brent,
5: you got some more? Uh, I, I would just say uh, I think we're gonna have a fun time. I, I know for me, it's always when you know, even just this radio show, getting together and just getting to talk as men and is guys. Fun. Yeah, and oh yeah. It, But it's such yeah. a short time. It's a, in fact we have know, like twenty seconds. Right. So, so, <laughs> so you're and just it's gonna be that time Friday and Saturday. So okay. we're gonna have a yeah. good time. Sounds good. So first City Church address one more time: thirteen
3: oh one East Gadsden Street, Pensacola, Florida.
1: And Facebook page is First City Church.
3: On but faith. check us out on our.
1: Radio dedicated to fixing everything (laughs) action radio dangerously cool microphone uh, at some point during the recording and it broke the sound and it broke the signal and I thought it was gonna come back on but it didn't. So CJ, can you hear me now?
6: Yes, I can hear you now.
1: Okay good. So but you couldn't before I played the feist and drums. Correct. Okay good. Alright, so I'm going my microphone, we're just gonna do it the old fashioned way. So one of what? one of the backups that one of the backups we have to the show oh I can't do that. That's not gonna work either. Well, plug my back back in. Because then I hear a duplicate of myself. So we'll leave the microphone on. And hopefully this will cut out in a second. Ah, there it goes. Okay, good. So, mic's on, but I can, I'm talking to the cell phone. So, I think I've corrected my technical difficulties for now. This is Blog Talk. We have uh, occasional little glitches. So, I just put my phone on, on a stack of books and uh, put it up at uh, mic level. And just use the speakerphone. So, CJ, did you, did you get a chance to listen to some of our men's chat? On this this Gay Pride Month, listening to a bunch of straight guys talking about being guys, I thought it was Yeah, it was yeah
6: I I did. I I caught um I caught the last few minutes of it, and I actually looked up the church online and whatnot. So yeah, uh-huh. I did. I love to go back and you know I heard him saying that he was had they were having a men's event, and then they were going to have a women's event. I assume that was around Father's Day, but on the calendar I didn't see like the dates of a conference or anything other than that. But I did tune in and. I'm looking at their site right now,
1: so. Yeah, well, part of the problem is that was a five-year-old interview. (laughs) That was back at my old radio station, WBY. Um, And so as I was explaining to people uh, earlier that uh, I I had for a year and four months, I had my dream job. I I came out to uh, Florida from California literally four months after open-heart surgery, which is probably the dumbest and best thing I've ever done, but uh, I don't mind taking a risk. So anyway, so I came out here about 150 pounds overweight uh, because I blew up like a balloon after surgery. And I've lost most of it, just she about 30, maybe 40 pounds more to go, but uh, that'll be gone soon. Anyway, point being that um – I was able to have group discussions because we had this table, this round table. And I can't do that anymore because I broadcast from home, from my little cottage here. And most of the folks on the show are in different places. You're in North Carolina. Jonathan's up in Virginia. Pianki's in Missouri. Uh, other folks call in from California, Arizona. Sometimes we get international calls. You know, we got a Skype line. And so there's no way to have those same uh, discussions. And I don't have the same contact with the community um, because that station no longer exists. And it was taken over by another station <coughs> who sold – you know, uh, job they thought was to take my station off the air, which they did, made it some sports recording, Fox News, boring thing like that. So it was one of the last independent voices here, WBY thirteen thirty AM, Northwest Florida's uh, news and talk leader, and so that's where I got my radio start. And here we are now, that's blog talk radio, five years later. Yeah, that's
6: awesome. That is awesome. Well, I uh, I I think that's I think that's that's great you know with what you're doing obviously if everything is growing and getting words out about certain things and having all these amazing individuals on on your show I think that's I think it's great and I love tuning in and listening to some of the the information that you're sharing and it's interesting you know some of the topics that we're going to talk about today and just so you know like I said my my computer has been shutting down all morning as you know so I'm trying to pull it mm-hmm. back up. I had to restart it. I'm having all kinds of technical challenges myself this morning. <laughs> so.
1: Uh-oh. This is, this is the FBI blackout that uh, Josie keeps telling us about. She says everything's going to shut down for 10 days, and uh, Donald Trump's going to ride in with the military, and they're going to take over the country and uh, settle all this and arrest thousands of people. I'm like, no, Josie, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's wishful thinking, but it ain't happening. <laughs> anyway, so but when, a, when both of us have uh, computer problems, why? I literally hit my microphone. And talk's weird. Once the signal is broken, you know, you plugging it back in does not get it back. It's, it's kind of picky about that. Uh, I'm still trying to get gauges, uh, levels, you know, digital uh, uh, levels so that I know when I'm putting out a signal and when I'm not. And Talk still hasn't done that. Got it on my Adobe Audition program but not on, uh, on Talk. Anyway, um, we should talk about single guys and, or not maybe single but just men and, and health and how many men, you know, come to you for alternative medicine as opposed to women because I, th- I think most guys – you know, being survivalist pioneers and all that kind of stuff, are not as likely to seek out different medical treatments they are not as likely to seek out, seek out the traditional ones, preferring to wait until they have right. stage four cancer as opposed to stage one. Um, because, because they don't want to know. Or just, it's, it gets in the ways, you know, so we can talk about that sometime too. Anyway, what's on your mind this morning?
6: Well, um, my big things are is, um, and I'm going to be talking about these tonight, is no, I did have a host. I, I I didn't do it all myself, but I hosted a patriot um, gathering this past weekend in in my neck of the woods for the first time. And how was that? In my, it was phenomenal. All the feedback was huh. great, and and it was so good. And I had a a couple other truthers and anons and people in the movement, you know, there. Um, and I had a handful of people who actually traveled in, like probably from hours and hours away and they spent the night the night before um here locally to attend to be attend the event so again it wasn't a large large event but there were about 20-ish people there and so to start somewhere right if you've been paying attention to any of the podcasts or you know any of the the podcasters at night you're talking news radio you have to start somewhere you know it's like gathering around and like-minded people and um, putting together action step to move forward you know this sounds familiar. <laughs> That's yeah.
0: Very familiar yeah yeah
6: um so it was it was a very very good event the conversations and the individuals that i was able to meet and information that was gathered and shared it was really really good in fact um as we were under a you know i i rented out um simply we rented out a pavilion just in case of rain and it ended up being a gorgeous gorgeous day there were like two or three people in the park I mean it was a packed day because they had lacrosse tournaments going on so the park was full so there were a lot of people there you know observing you know noticing that the pavilion was full and I had red white and red white and blue balloons you know and tablecloths and you know it was very evident that you know we were having a gathering of suck however you want to define it right and so there were um, two or three believe it or not gentlemen that actually came up to us and started mingling and actually sat down and started talking about all the conspiracy things all the money things all the things and they were very open they're like yeah I'm ready for this to be done and so it was kind of cool though just to have People kind of question us and actually know what was going on, even though there was like three of them, you know, right, that came up to us. But that was kind <laughs> of cool to hear. To hear
0: yeah.
6: that to be in a bubble with like-minded people who, you know, listen to people like you, listen to podcasts at night, et cetera, et cetera. People that, you know, just they know, they know, and so that was very encouraging to see. It truly was.
1: Well, the bubble's getting bigger. You know, there's more and more people that are realizing uh, that everything they've been told was a lie. So we're getting a bigger bubble. You know, and this is fascinating. Yeah. So when you say truthers, you mentioned a couple of groups. I want to kind of clear up who those groups are. So truthers, what's a a truther? What what, what truth are they? I
6: have been digging into all the conspiracy things a lot longer than myself, you know, Uh um, who have a lot lot of digging on. All of the corruption and all of the lies, you know, going back to way back when, you know, people who have had a lot more tenacity. I like that word. A lot more tenacity than I Ooh, have.
1: Good word. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about it, the other one. The other one you mentioned was anon. Are we talking Q anon? Because we used to have yeah. a Q anon report, Joe. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So Q anon's yeah. not a bad That'll, word around here, and so yeah. it's just. But, no, uh, I love it.
0: So now,
1: yeah. So as it's you like know. In- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
6: Go
1: ahead. Well, I was going to say that we that I strongly uh, believe that there are real conspiracies and ones that are distracting. And Josie and I debate this pretty much every week. In fact, I think she's listening right now. Um, the real conspiracies, the election was stolen. <clears throat> you know, COVID, uh, the government policy was a complete hoax. We didn't need any of the stuff they did. Those are real conspiracies. Uh, and it, conspiracies mean that people plotted together to do evil. Uh, to me, the distracting conspiracies are that Trump's you know, running everything through Space Force that, uh, that they're going to ride in with several thousand military people and take over the government. I don't believe that. In fact, I don't even want that. Or that all our lawyers are registered in England or that uh, we-, we can be sovereign citizens and that we can uh, not drive with the driver's license and not pay tax and that there's, uh, you know, half a 1000000 dollars check waiting for all of us in the Treasury Department because of our birth certificate. That's a bunch of nonsense. Um, and so the- one of the biggest things we need to do as patriots as, as America first, as independence is distinguished between the, the true, the real conspiracies that are that are destroying our country, like the deep state and the fake ones that are just distractions put to us by the deep state to divide us. And so that's why I make a very distinct line. And I don't know if you did that. I don't know if anybody does that. I'm starting to do it all the time now. And I think it's critical for us to do that. So do you do you make distinctions? Do you well, Tell me about, the, about what you're meeting with and, and were there disagreements as to which were the real conspiracies and which were the distractions?
6: Um, you know, there might be some points that we agree to disagree on this because, you know, for me, I have no hard, concrete evidence of anything. But I personally, you know, like a lot – when I'm talking about a lot of – right and i consider myself to an extent a truther because of the different podcasting that i do as you know like on other platforms i'm open to all the things because there are people out there that want the Mm -hmm. other information just because i may not totally have all my eggs in one basket or believe in a certain thing or another doesn't mean that somebody else don't and they want the information so as saying that neutral you know position just me personally Mm -hmm. with my personal platform I I prefer to give out all the information that's out there and let people use their own discernment and decide what they want to hold on to and what they don't. That's, that's my personal position. Um, so w- with saying other truthers, I mean, again, people who have been digging into the corruption and awake a whole lot longer than I have and know a whole lot more in that arena than what I do, that I have yeah. been learning from and and taking, again, hearing the information and then deciphering for myself what I choose to hold stock in or, or, or not, because the way I go about it and look at it is say I'm wrong, right? And I choose not to believe in X, Y, Z. And one of those XYZs occur, right? I can say, I haven't been closed-minded like the normies, I can say, well, crud. I did hear that. I didn't think that that was real or going to happen, but I'll be damned. It did, you know? So I'm not, I, I've, I've opened myself up to all the information, to receive all the information, and then that way, you know, whatever does or doesn't come to fruition, I have been exposed to that, and I'm not, I don't even know if that, that makes sense. So that's kind no, of that what I mean. Sense.
1: Yeah. I'm more direct, yeah. though, because I will give both sides, and then I will tell you what I think. Um, I right. think that, uh Flight 800 was brought down by a missile. I don't think there's any dispute on that. And all the Navy ships under it who were firing missiles are, are proof. And besides the, 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 the seats themselves, the, the missile fuel track, the whole bit. Um, I believe that 9-11, you know, though the terrorists did attack those buildings. and They did fly airliners in. Uh, but I also believe that uh, government demolition charges brought down those buildings, plus Building 7 that wasn't hit by an airplane. I believe we landed on the moon. And those that say that we don't I think are crazy. Um, so, And I believe that uh, Franklin Roosevelt knew we were going to be attacked at Pearl Harbor Let it happen so we'd get into the war So, so there's a lot of um, You really have to pick you know, these things and look at them carefully individually And so if right. people get labeled a conspiracy theorist Then they, they feel like they can't believe in anything Because they don't want to be labeled a conspiracy theorist But a conspiracy right. theorist just means you have a theory about conspiracies I have a theory about lots of conspiracies I have a theory for each conspiracy so that would make me a conspiracy theorist because I formulate theories on conspiracies, which are things that are done wrong by people that have conspired together. That's right. How I see it. Okay.
6: Right. Right. I understand. And then, like I said, the Anon, you know, we, we talked about we talked about Q, we talked about Q, and, you so what's know,
1: what's the real- we, we need a QAnon huh? report. What's the later? I need a QAnon report. I haven't had one for a while. Uh, we used to have someone that did just that. We actually had a report labeled the QAnon report. Uh, it was pretty. Oh, fun. well, I have great
6: <laughs> contact that I can bring on as a, as a guest for sure. Oh, good. Um, let's
1: make, let's make
6: yeah, we, yeah, we've been discussing via text and stuff the thing about the the plane that went down, um, and you know the oh, lack yeah. of survivors.
1: Yeah, I uh, well, well, here's what I know about the citation because uh, I'm a pilot, so I mean I know a lot right. about aviation. So I don't believe in chemtrails, but that's but tell me what right. you know and. Uh, we're a little off track, well, it's okay. kind of fun. <laughs>
6: yeah, that's not my area of expertise, but from what I've, um, from what I've been reading and stuff, the latest as far as what's happened, you know, because of the lack of showing wreckage and different things of that, you know, the the conspiracy is is that that was that was not a real thing, or it was staged and it did happen, but there was nobody, you know, on the plane, but yet there was one person there that I got a picture of, like, waving that wasn't bloody, wasn't this, wasn't that. Um, And so there's a lot going on that he could explain better than myself because he's been digging into that information. I have not. I've just kind of been –
1: Yes, yes. I need a good conspiracy reporter. I love stuff like this. And then, again, we get to decide, you know, individually what we think. But from what I know, it was definitely an airplane. Uh, There was definitely a sonic boom. You know, F-16s were scrambled to go after it. Uh, it definitely flew over Washington, which is restricted airspace. Yes. I know; I've seen the charts, uh, and we do know that, the, that the, uh, the father was a huge Trump supporter.
6: Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, so a yeah. Trump but the other. So, but I don't think yeah. there
6: was any wreckage. There wasn't any, you know. And so, I, 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 mean, I don't know. I've seen the airplane. Yeah, you
1: know, I've seen a picture of an airplane, but it doesn't look like a citation. This is what got me curious. I was wait a minute, that's not a citation tale. I don't know what it is. It looks more like a torpedo from a Navy thing, but it or whatever it is, it looks like more like a ship than an airplane. So I'm curious. So I want to start digging into this. The other thing is, uh, of course, I I always immediately go with pilots because they they fly in an oxygen deprived environment. Those airplanes are pressurized to 8,000 feet, which is 3000 feet above Denver. Okay. So we're talking really thin air, 15% oxygen, right? And so they're much more suspect, they're much more susceptible to COVID shot injuries, and uh, passing out because they're in a deprived uh, oxygen environment. And so I'm wondering if the COVID shot plays into this. There's another problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
6: Uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't Could
6: either. be. Yet. Could be. Could be. But again, again how do you know? How, how, where, how are we going to know? I don't know that you are. Well, you,
1: you, you never know, but you get as much evidence as you can, and then you, you draw your own conclusions.
6: Right. Yeah. Correct. Great. Agreed. Agreed. But, yeah, so I can definitely connect you um, with him. So that's one of the things. And going back to your original question, I do think now I have had several male um, clientele and people come to me, but the majority of them are definitely, definitely women. And typically if a gentleman comes to me, it's because their significant other has encouraged them to or wanted them to. or they it?
1: Interesting.
6: Yeah, okay. or has wanted to come together, you know, like like the the people I just wrapped up sessions with. They are a couple, a married couple, a young married couple, and so okay. they wanted separate sessions, but to do their sessions together for different reasoning. So you know, like hmm. one one encouraged the other, but what was interesting with that um, couple is that the man actually encouraged his wife to do sessions with me. So, you know, I do see quite the variety, but as a general statement, your statement is correct. Most of the time, I would say 80% of the time, it's the women that reach out. And then if their partner just, you know, does something, it's usually as a result of them taking the lead on it. It's usually not the other way around. Although, again, that was the situation with the individuals who just wrapped up their uh, three-month session with me. So, you know, there are those exceptions to the rules.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's very interesting how this all works. Uh, for example, on Action Radio, I have uh, an Action Radio life and health coaching page. It's almost all women. And wow. Nice. I have, okay, and I have an Action Radio man page, which is obviously all for men. And a lot right. of times I put the same post I put the same post on both pages, <laughs> which is really interesting. Wow. So, so depending yeah. on what it is, not not always. A, some of the, a lot of wellness stuff is geared more to women anyway. But uh, for the guys, I, I'll, I'll put some different health things, different uh, prescription, different uh, um, medicine stuff, especially with guy related medicine. Uh, we'll go there. Right. But a lot of times, some of their posts that go on the same group and these are two completely different groups and yet you know for health and for health issues uh it's the same information but guys are more likely to read it on a man page than they would on a life and health coaching page which i find interesting right
6: no i mean you're you're right so that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of the way the way it is but sometimes it takes encouragement from the female you know, and I don't know why that is because, again, I have seen
1: it go the opposite way, but it's a it's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you okay. why, because women talk about every individual issue with every other woman. You guys talk to each other about everything, and guys, you know, we'll talk sports, we'll talk beer, we'll talk, uh, you know, stuff like that. Right. But most guys aren't going to go, you know, i got this weird pain here that uh, I'm not quite sure what it is, and I've been taking my, uh, you know, my vitamins, and I've been looking into various alternative treatments. Guys don't talk like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Right. So, you right. Know, so this, so we need, so guys, open up. Try the alternative treatments. This is why I have CJ on. Okay, it's not just for women. Anyway,
6: exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because um, I know that we're going to be going into another topic here in a minute, but you know, okay. a list of 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 things that people don't know. And in fact, prior to this radio show, I, interestingly enough, I came across a specific list. I mean, like I said, some of the things I already knew, but to have an actual list. I'm going to print out and uh, laminate and make sure I give access to certain individuals, but um, a list of detox foods and what foods do, do what, like in alphabetical order, you know? Yeah, and I like knew that. Do, you know, about onions, yep. they help to clean out the lungs, pumpkin seeds, help reduce inflammation, you know, just sea vegetables, you know, just different things that, most the average person does not know know about, you know. So mm-hmm. using natural foods to attempt to heal heal the body. But one of the things I was thinking about is how do I say this? I'm all about. There's a middle of the road for me for self-diagnosing. I think if you have an infection, or you have a cut, or you you know just something mild. If you have something going on, right? A cold, sniffles, right. lung congestion. Whatever, something that's obvious, you know, um, there are some times where you need some sort of a diagnostic measure to measure that there is an issue going on. then the question becomes, if you know that there's an A, B, C, or D challenge going on, what are the uh-huh. different solutions available to you to take care of that problem? So I'm not, I don't necessarily always encourage self-diagnosing unless it's, you know, something minor. But I'm saying if you know you have a bladder infection or you know you have a kidney stone or you know you have something, you know know what I mean, whatever, you cut your finger, you know, you use aloe vera from a plant or something else. If you know that you have XYZ going on and you have some of these natural resources and also maybe some natural holistic herbal remedies and vitamins, then you can choose what to utilize and what not. To try to take care of the problem first, before going to a more um, pharmaceutical drastic measure. So, having a list is really, really a good thing to have.
1: Well, yeah. Now, I was just thinking. In fact, I have to. I'm typing in a sort of an emergency uh, uh, email message as we're talking here. Uh, so we have a huge guest coming on tomorrow. Uh, Tony uh, Lyons is the uh, CEO of um, Skyhorse Publishing that did uh, the book, uh, uh, that Robert Francis Kennedy's book. And so he's coming back now. Okay. So, as, so as I'm just typing this up as we're talking. But what I was thinking of as we're talking, um, so let's make sure I do that. Okay, there we go. All right, so that's fine. So I'll take care of that. So so life goes on. I'm producing the show. I do everything. <laughs> it's kind of crazy here. Uh, working on a producer. But one of the things I notice is that people, I mean, there's an appropriate thing for, for depending on what's going on. It's like, you know, you mentioned onions are good for lungs. So if you have bacterial pneumonia, you know, eating onions is probably not appropriate. It's probably a bit late at that point. You know, you might want right. antibiotics because you could be dead in, like, you know, hours. Right. Uh, so, right. that, so the appropriate thing might be, you know, I mean, we have pharmaceutical antibiotics for a reason. But what's not appropriate is to take antibiotics, you know, every day, in case you know, just on the off chance that you might get bacterial pneumonia someday. And so you want right. to find the appropriate treatment and so natural I think is most of the time build up your immune system use the natural products you know you talk about pumpkin seeds and onions I mean that, that's part of my natural diet anyway you know so I'm some I'm getting those, those good things Um, you know and so but again don't shy away from diagnostic tools and blood tests you know just because you want to go oh, like I want to be like all alternative man no that's stupid use Western medicine when it works you know if you break your bone are you going to go chant no you're going to go get your bone set <laughs> you know right, but do you right. but do you right. but do you find that people they're they're i mean it's just as bad to be exclusively you know alternative uh, you know and and you know you're not going to hang crystals if uh, you know if you got cancer medicine, right. maybe a bit You know, whereas beforehand it might be perfectly acceptable to use, you know, essential oils and all kinds of things to prevent stuff. So there's there's appropriate nature. I don't think we talk enough about the line because you can do both. I mean, there you use everything that's available to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Tell me what you think.
6: Yep. Yep. I think. And you know, it's it's again, like you just said, God forbid you're in a car accident, right? And you you need a shoulder reset or something like that. You know, there's a there is a there is a time and a place for conventional medicine and things things like that, you know. But it 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 shouldn't always be the first go to. But again, I think for diagnostic reasons, if you need to do that, uh, I personally don't have any challenges with that. And then if you have X Y Z, that say on a scale of one to ten is a a four or five, something like that. Again, that's just my my opinion. And you want to go right. about a holistic manner, you know, like turmeric and honey. Getting, you know, powdered turmeric, you can't really have too much of it, turmeric and honey is the best antibiotic on the on the face of the planet that doctors aren't gonna tell you about, but you have to be consistent, you know, you know, with it. So again, just knowing knowing your options and being open to using the tools and information that you have, even when it comes to traditional
1: turmeric and honey, huh? Because turmeric by itself is tasteless. That's why I get curry powder, which is mostly turmeric anyway. So a lot of times some things that are really good for you are tasteless. <laughs> so you want to put something yeah. in honey. honey, honey Except for ginger.
6: ginger. Ginger is very potent, but I love ginger. I've acquired a taste love- for it. Oh,
1: I'll get sushi just to get the. Well, what's a good source of ginger? Because if I buy raw ginger, it's got all that uh, glad wrap around it. That, that natural wrapping, and it, it's a lot of work. So can you buy, you know, bottled ginger? or how, What's the best way to get ginger if you don't want to prepare it yourself?
6: Well, unfortunately, preparing it for yourself is the best way. Buying organic vin- um, ginger and cleaning it well, um, you know, like you would a potato, like scrubbing it really, really good, taking off some of the outside and using fresh, whole, organic ginger is the best, is absolutely the best. Um, You know, you can get it in powdered forms. The problem is, again, you don't know if it's been, if there's been any processing done, if it's cold processed, if there's heat, anything applied to it. And you can always make your own ginger, you know, by chopping the fresh ginger up. Like for me, I'll put it in, you know, a little blender with, you know, lemons and cucumbers, lemon, cucumber, and ginger juice, you know, take a shot of that in my H D Q that I make, and I take a shot of that Mm -hmm. every morning. So, you know, I'm Personally or unfortunately, to answer your question, in my opinion, there is no other better source than organic whole ginger. There are other things that you can get, you know, but, you know, if you can do it and take the extra five minutes to do it yourself, that's a better way to go.
1: Right. I just have to get a blender. I'm I'm appliance challenged at this point because uh, if I could buy a jar of ginger that looks pretty good, you know, I might just do that. Is the pink ginger any What's good or
6: do you need to get garlic? clear stuff? It's the same as garlic, What's that? right? At the, at the rear end to, to peel and to steam and, you know, no, what, no, you a, know whatever. You, but garlic, I get. You want to do with
1: garlic? Oh, no, I, got a, I, got, I found a solution. I saw it in a movie. Uh, what you do is you take, uh, take a, a clove of garlic, cut off the end of it, uh, put it under a knife and just smash it. And when you smash yeah. it, you can, pull, you can pull the whole skin off in one piece. And, and smashing it end. releases all the good – yeah, just cut off the end, the, the stem end, right, that the connect, the connects to the clove itself. So you cut that end off, and you put the whole garlic clove under the, the base of a knife, you know, the base blade of the knife, and you put your, like, hand on it and just squish it, crush it completely. Well, not completely, but just crush it. And when you do that, the skin separates from the clove, and the skin comes off in one thing. You don't have to peel anything. The whole thing comes off. Yeah. Then just cut okay. up your garlic and throw it yep. in your salad. Yeah, what I do. Yep. The but things you learn saying, on this show.
6: Kind of, yeah, I'm just saying that's kind of like the same concept because you can go and buy minced, minced garlic, you know, in those glass jars and stuff, and, and that's right. fine. I'm just saying anything that you can take in its original state, going back to your point right. of ginger, anything you can take in its original state and take that extra five minutes to do it yourself is much yep. is a much better option.
1: Okay. Well, I'll see if I can get some raw ginger and play with it. And uh, so, what do you do again? Put it in a blender and then what?
6: I just I put it in a blender with um, cucumber and lemon, and I make like a mason jar of it. And I'll take some okay. of that, and then my HDQ, I just put it like in an alcohol shot glass, and I take a shot of it every morning. <laughs>
0: oh boy! And I
6: do. I take a. I have my little shot glass here, you know, that I put vodka or whatever in, and I'll put. I do my HCQ shot and then my shot of the lemon, cucumber, and ginger Uh mixture every single morning.
1: When's the last time you were sick?
6: Mm, Like sick sick was probably, I mean, sick as far as even with a cold or something.
1: Um,
6: Uh Back when I had the virus probably two years ago.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think everybody got COVID. It's not that our our immune systems were were bad. It's that our immune systems had never seen it before. So I think everybody got right. COVID. But the question is how quickly you got over it. I got over it uh, with a couple of days of rest, even though I had it for about two weeks. Uh, but once it was gone, it was gone. and never got it back. I had one cold okay. after, after being in, uh, having a hospital exam, but I think I was the hospital more than anything else. Um, and Exactly. That's been now, here's something weird, though, and I don't know if you've seen this, too, that once i had COVID back in uh, January of 2020, uh, except for that one cold, I haven't been sick with anything. And I'm wondering, have you seen evidence that COVID, because it was so new, it was a man-made bioweapon organism, and our bodies had never seen it, for those of us that let our natural immunity take care of it, did our body become much more aware and attuned to man-made viruses because of the experience our immune system had with COVID?
6: Could be. Could be. You know, I, I mean, if that was that a challenging one for me to answer only because, you know uh-huh. I, my opinion was that I think um and I don't know if we talked about this or not um, I can't remember i I think maybe we did briefly, but you know when when I was sick with the virus, mine lasted for about ten days. Fortunately enough, you know, I didn't have any of the breathing challenges
0: or oh you know o t two challenge you know
6: any I didn't have anything like that, and I didn't have like a hundred and five fever or anything crazy like that, but I was sick by no I mean by no means i mean I, I mean I was pretty pretty sick um but my breathing was fine, and I would say maybe my temperature at the highest got up to 101 maybe, you know. Yeah, um,
1: really that's yeah, interesting. My, I never really got a fever. I didn't go drag on shows.
0: Yeah, I, I, probably, I, I, I was for probably
6: can... a solid 10 days. And for me, yeah. even though I felt like my case really compared to a lot of people, and we know this, was mild in comparison to, you know, but bad for me because it sucked, right? But um, Mm -hmm. I I do believe, and I don't like, you know, proclaiming it over myself, that I had suffered from some mild long-term virus symptoms, um, you know, I was dealing with, and I still do every once in a while, deal with Mm. some liver inflammation challenges. And they've been a lot better um, because, again, I'm always open. I use the nicotine patch. You know, and I do different things. And prior to having the virus, I never had any liver
0: challenges.
6: And what's interesting, though, is let's go back to diagnostics. All my diagnostic testing that I had, because, again, I'm human, you know, and I was freaking out. I knew COVID was a bioweapon. I was learning, you know, I used the ivermectin. I used, you know, all the things to recover. But it had done something to my to my body, right? So
0: yeah. Um, yeah.
6: So all of my diagnostic tests came back totally fine, totally fine, Um, with the exception of when I mentioned to you guys that I do thermography and not mammograms. Well, that was showing inflammation there. But my enzymes, my liver enzymes, are perfectly fine, like my liver functions. You know, there are a couple other numbers that are slightly out of whack that were never out of whack ever before I had the virus. So I've definitely been implementing some, some things myself you know, and it may be something that unfortunately I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. I pray not, you know, um, you know, it's nothing debilitating, but it's definitely a difference for me. That cramps my lifestyle sometimes because I'm a, you know, super active person. Um, right. So, you know, going back to the point of diagnostics, let's just roll it back there. If you need to get a diagnostic, get it, get it, get it done, you know, but I'm not on any pharmaceutical drugs to take care of the, in a while, inflammation, every once in a while, discomfort. You know, I'm using the nicotine patches. I'm using Cardio Miracle. I'm using um ivermectin a couple times a week. Like, I'm using the things that are natural that I know are helping me because I I feel it and I know those things, using them um the way I'm using them, they're not going to harm me to utilize right. them. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
6: So that's kind of, kind of that. But um, I know let's, – let's squirrel a minute. So you sent me an interesting article on on chickens, and, you know, I've been having some computer issues, so I, I did read the majority of it, and I wanted to go through and read the deep of that blank screen that I showed you on my computer. Um, uh-huh. But uh, it is interesting. This kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with some of the information that we've been hearing about the government trying to regulate even – gardens now and if you are registering your garden you're a damn fool you know it's like they put it out there and it's like i'm gonna grow a garden there's no way i'm doing any any of that you know i think maybe it's a scare tactic but going back to knowing you know some of the chickens that we think are organic they're they're not anymore you know there's and that's why for me a lot of the eggs that my daughter consumes i'm not a big egg person i've just never even liked eggs it's a texture thing for me i know i probably need to start eating them um but I guess from my girlfriend who they have their own chickens, their own eggs. They don't spray anything. We get them right out of the ground, chicken and hen eggs and stuff like that. And again, you can, you can scroll back as to, well, what's going into the feed? What's going into this? Are you just letting them graze? They just let them graze outside. Well, what's going into the soil that's coming in from the air? The soil is so depleted. I mean, you can keep going and going and going down the rabbit hole. So I think with them trying to make, the chickens and the eggs, not organic and deceive us with the word organic, how things are starting to filtrate into the organic clean world. That's the sad truth. But again, you go back to, okay, so, so what, what are you going to do about it? Is there really anything you can do? You can fight back. You can write the letters, you can do the bills and see what happens. But as far as consumption, you can only do what you can do, you know? Um, and that's why I've encouraged people, even if you're buying organic produce, which I encourage you to do, as we talked about with the Dirty Dozen, et cetera, et cetera, to always, yep. in fact, I have them in the sink right now, always use, you know, you don't need to use an expensive cleaner or whatever. You can just use white vinegar and baking soda. And all you need is a little bit. Like I've got strawberries. I just cleaned a bunch of strawberries right now, you know, that are organic, but I still clean them with baking soda before the call, baking soda and, and vinegar. So, You know, for them trying to destroy the organic eggs and the chickens and things like that and regulate them, that's no surprise. The the thing is, how are we going to fight back, number one? Number two is, are you still going to buy eggs? I mean, you can only do what you can do. Go to a local farmer, you know, instead of going to the grocery store.
1: That's the key. You know, as much as I love legislation, I love fighting these things. I I've written, you know, something that's going to be a very interesting challenge, you know, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That's going to be worldwide news. You know, if Matt Gates announces it tomorrow night in that town hall where I'm presenting it, that will be worldwide news. Uh, but that's going to be a big fight. But, however, what can you do at the personal level? See, the problem is these big companies, what they're doing is they want, to, they want people to think they're organic when they're really factory food. They want people to think it's meat when it's really, you know, organic compound. And so the biggest problem is labeling. If they were honest about it, and we talked about this earlier with Pianchi when he was on the show, that it's like the RSB or the RBHT, the growth hormone. Every mm-hmm. product on the shelves says they don't use the growth hormone. Because if they said they did use the growth hormone, we know nobody's going to buy it. So they all exactly. they can't use it. So they can't use yeah. it. But, of course, the, but the lobbyists have got this other label that says, but no significant difference has been found between growth hormone and non-growth hormone. So if that's the case, why is the public only buying the non-growth hormone milk and cream and, and uh, things? Because we think it's better. So the way out of this right. is, not, you know, and you've talked about this too. We've talked about two organic um, avocado oil and mayonnaise companies, uh, Chosen and what's the other one? There's another uh, say company. that one more time. Okay. The, the the organic mayonnaise the uh, the avocado oil mayonnaise oh,
6: cho- chosen chosen and primal primal primal
1: yeah so we need those companies sponsoring our show cuz we've mentioned them a bunch of times <laughs> but they're good yeah and, yeah, that, to- and i've got away some seed oils right but you can research the companies you can just so you can start by reading the labels you know you can then right. go uh, look at their websites you can call them up you can look up stories about these companies is it a lot of work sure but how much is your health worth to me, right. I'd rather spend the extra money on avocado oil, non-seed oil mayonnaise that I know is better for me because I spent a little bit of time doing some company research. Now, Chosen is a couple dollars less than Primal. Uh, it's like Primal right. Choice. It's like beef, beef grades. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, Primal is like oh, 10 bucks a jar. It's really expensive, but you don't use as much. It'll last longer. But again, how much is your health worth? And so that's, exactly. that's
6: what it comes to. Yeah, they do that yeah. on purpose. You notice that they they make, they make the, the, the food that's not so good for you pretty inex- inexpensive, relatively speaking, right? Everything has gone up, I know, but relatively right. speaking. And then mm-hmm. anything that is, you know, made with, let's use this way, made with cleaner ingredients, um, mm-hmm. they jack the prices up so that a lot of people cannot Purchase them, you know, even if they want to, you know, unless you're making major sacrifices, you know, and we're blessed or I'm blessed to be able to make those healthier sacrifices. But, you know, I just don't go get my hair done as much anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, you, you just kind yeah, of have to pick and choose, you know, you have the money. So cut out Hulu, you know, don't send money on Hulu and, you know, put that money towards cleaner, cleaner grocery supplies. You know, you can you can find the money depending on where you're willing to, to scrimp, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some things I want to do that I haven't been able to do yet uh, because of money, but the show's growing. And as we keep going, like I say, I've got a fabulous guest tomorrow, National Public Figure, you know, Skyhorse Publishing, Tony Lyons, works directly with Robert Francis Kennedy. Um, because I know Dr. Judy Mikovits, who knows Robert Francis Kennedy, I've got connections all over the place right now. And right. so those kind of things are going to pay off one day. This show will be massive. We will break through our censorship, and all of us involved with it are going to be very well-known public figures. I mean, I'm absolutely convinced of that. Uh, until then, okay. I'll have to wait on some of the the, the treatments that I want to try in my reverse osmosis water filter and some of the other things. Uh, but I'll get there, you know, and yeah. ho- hopefully sooner. But uh, like I say, it all comes down to doing what you can, but it's not that hard to research companies. And I don't think yeah. they're more expensive because they're purposely jacking them up. I think the others are artificially inexpensive because they're a bunch of crap. So, in other words, if yeah. you've got a factory, we talked about this earlier with the organic, uh, you know, you, there, I was reading that article. There are, there are buildings that house, you know, 200,000 chickens in one building. Right. That's a factory. Wow. You know they're all in the cage. They can't go anywhere. They lay an egg, and then it rolls down a conveyor belt, and it all goes into the machine, and it gets washed. And you know, of course, they get micro cracks, and the chlorine gets in, and those eggs are terrible, even if they're quote right. or organic. Right. Whereas I'd rather have you know Joe's farm, you know where he's got uh, fifty chickens, and they all run around this yard, and they eat uh, organic grain, and uh, you know then they lay one egg a day, and it's great. And I'll, I don't, you know, I'll wait for those. Uh, I got a friend that where I get my eggs from, same kind of thing, and so. It's a very big um, difference to be able to research and do local. But the best thing is start local. You know, we have a, Joseph exactly. uh, just your son is about exactly. a local slaughter place that, that slaughters a couple of cattle each year and they're beef. Uh, they're grass fed. So that's better. Right. So you got to right. get a little creative. And if the cheaper prices are only because they're cheating. Now, here's where I have the big problem. This is what I think you'll agree with. But I'd like your comment um, anyway, that what they what these big companies really want is they want to lie. They want people to think they're organic while they're making factory food rather than be honest and say we have factory chickens. They're stuck in a small cage. They're miserable. And you're going to get the eggs from a miserable chicken. You know, I mean, that's not, I'm not going to say that, but that's basically what's going on as opposed to Fred's farm where there are happy chickens, they're running around outside, and they're clucking away, bark, bark, you know, and you get better eggs. So be honest. If you're yeah. organic, have strict criteria for what organic is, and then don't make, you know, uh, Biff's factory chicken farm organic when it's really not. That's the problem. As long as we have on honest labels, we can make a decision. And that's a Federal Trade Commission issue. So that really comes down to government. Government's screwing up because they're allowing the lobbyists to change organic to mean – you know, everything, Uh when it really should. And I think that's the problem. GMO, same thing. As long as they label foods as GMO, I can choose not to have them. But I don't want them labeling, you know, uh GMO foods as non-GMO, because then we can't tell the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I think so.
6: So, you know, yeah. um the best thing that we can do, I mean, it's coming up on, you know, it's planting season, and so I know starting to open up. I know I just went and got a mint plant and a celery plant and some things like that. I definitely do not have a green thumb, but I do have, I do grow some of my produce and things like that here at, here at my home, um, and so we're just beginning to do that, and my daughter loves to go to farmer's markets. In fact, it's interesting, too. I just... I just switched out, um, I would say over the past two weeks, I threw away, I'm not a big cook by any means, but I do like to cook when I cook and the healthy things that I like to cook. And so I just threw out all of my nasty pans and I went and bought myself some just staples, not a whole set, some staples of some good, clean, non-toxic cookware. And I didn't buy a complete set of, I bought bits and pieces from different companies that I've researched and liked. Are they
1: ceramic? Pardon me. Are they ceramic?
6: No, they are not. I bought some stainless steel, and then I have some. um, Golly, Pete, why am I just? I just got it. Um, Cast iron.
1: So what's the best cookware as far as cookware goes? You've got cast iron, stainless, and you've got uh, ceramic, and then you've got the the Teflon coated cookware. How would you uh, rate those?
6: Well, it's one of those things. I did my own, like, research. I just looked it up. There's, like, several different brands. It depends on what your financial position is, and that's why, like I said, Mm -hmm. there's – I think I mentioned this before, and I don't have any, but it's on my list to get as far as a full set goes. Um, so I right. actually, un- unfortunately, I'm just gonna be real with your listeners. Unfortunately, I just went into Home Goods, and I had a list of different uh, cookware that I was looking for, and they had right. some of them. Unfortunately, it's pathetic that the ones they sell are made in China, um, but they are non-toxic. So again, I just bought a couple different pieces that I wanted right. to use, and then. There is, and I've been trying to get a hold of them. I have not purchased any yet because they are pretty salty. Um, It's called, uh, it's brand 360. Brand 360, you can look it up, 360 cookware. And Mm -hmm. it's extremely costly. Um, It's very, very good non-toxic cookware, and it's all made in the United States. So I'm trying to connect with them just because of what I do to see if I can get a discount code, see if I can get a free piece, see if I can get something. Um, Yeah. Because I would love, I mean, I would love to support that type of a company and buy a piece. And I think I probably will, but like one big cook pan is $180, $200, something like that. But again, they're made in the U.S., they're non-toxic, and they're one of those things that are guaranteed for life. So. If the pan gets burnt, if something goes wrong with the pan, they will replace it free of charge. You know, but obviously you have to cook on it the way it's designed to be cooked on, you know, and not use metal to scratch it and use, like, you know, bamboo cooking utensils or, you know, Rubbermaid or something, you know, something like that that's not going to scratch. But um, you can, if if you Google or pull up DuckDuckGo, Brave, whatever you want to use, um, and put in the top five non-toxic cookware, it's going to give you a list of Five or six, and they're all different price ranges, which is the whole point of it. So you know, hmm. you you know, do the best that you can do. And so for me, sure. I really wanted a whole good set, and I really want 360, but I can't do a whole set because it's like 30, it's over three thousand dollars for a whole set. Oh, um, yeah. You know,
1: I, I get on one. Sale. I got
6: three. I got. But I'm probably pieces.
1: what? I got a frying pan. I got a grill pan, and I got a cast iron skillet. And I'll probably get rid of, uh, I'll probably get a grill skillet, and then and then will be done. I'll get rid of. It. But I, I want a new fry pan, so I want either a ceramic yeah. or something else. I used, sure. um,
6: for a new fry pan, I bought Viking because Viking okay. for a, a nice size one. I think I paid, I think thirty or forty dollars, but it's guaranteed uh-huh. and it's very heavy and it's a stainless steel one. And then I have a couple pieces of cast iron. And one of them, you know, I do use on my outside grill. So I don't have a whole set of anything, but I have a pot that has a steamer in it. I have my crock pot I very rarely use. I have the two new frying pans. So I have offices now that are sufficient for me and my daughter to do whatever we need, need to do. Um, yeah. But you know, that just goes back to, again, grill. The whole point of having a grill is use your grill if you can, if you've got a grill. And they do make indoor grills as, as well. Get your fresh fruits and vegetables. Buy organic when you can. And clean them with vinegar and baking soda. You know, it's kind of like that season and that time. If you can plant two or three things, even if you're in an apartment or whatever, or you can grow some things inside, do, do that. Mm-hmm. You know, another topic is if you can if you can do it from a financial standpoint, Is you know, if you don't have a lot of land or a deck to have, you know, a raised bed garden or something like that, you can buy the towers, um, the hydro towers. You know, and grow huh? grow food inside. And I have not tried that yet because I have space outside. But for in the winter time, I would love to invest in one of those so I can grow food inside all day long, you know, all season long. Um, so just oh, if, if I had the chance. money,
1: I'd, I'd have a personal chef and I'd have a have a gardener, landscaper planting fruit, fruit trees and mint plants and and you know, oregano That's, and all the other kind of stuff out there to have limes and avocados. Oh yeah, I, I've got plans. I just don't have the money for it. Um,
0: right. Got oh more. I guess
1: yeah go ahead, then I got a question.
6: No, go, go ahead go ahead with me. go ahead oh. with your question.
1: okay, thank you' because I'm still looking for an answer. stainless steel versus ceramic as far as cookware goes.
6: Ceramic has a coating on it. That's the whole point is trying to get away from the coating you know oh, okay. on it All right because even like um and you'll see the most popular one for um healthy cookware. People will say, are the green pans? I'm sure you've heard of the green pans. And you can buy a whole set of yeah, green pans. I've seen
1: pans. them, but I'm still suspicious. Just because it says green doesn't mean it is. That's why I'm asking.
6: Exactly, exactly. So I do have uh, two of their pans. Um, I use them sparingly now that I have the other stuff um, because I've talked to a couple of naturopaths, and they said, you know, lesser of the eatables are pretty good. And so I have one little frying pan. Like I said, my daughter eats eggs. Sometimes she'll use that, but we don't – we use um, – they're called spurtles and they're actually made like a rubber and stuff so it doesn't scratch, scratch anything. So again, that, that's my whole point. If you go in Google or research, green pans will come up and it's a lower of the price range for the lesser of the better cookware. So if that's right. what your budget allows, then go buy two or three green pans. That's better than buying some of the other stuff. Yeah. You know?
1: so, I think you know, i got a stainless one because yeah, eggs don't seem to work in the in the cast iron skillet. I can't seem to make them work in that. They they get all messed oh, up. But, huh. Okay,
6: okay. But steak and
1: beef works yeah,
6: fine. We have a small little one that you know we use both the green pan and the cast iron skillet. So, um, you know it work it works for her. But that's why I'm saying you know cast iron is more costly than a green pan. So you just do what your budget allows versus doing. You know, a very a, a pan that's going to not be good and have all of the bad stuff on it that's going to get into your maybe face, I just need you know? more
1: butter. Maybe I just need more butter in the cast iron skillet. I haven't quite uh, used enough yet. I don't know.
6: Yeah, I used a lot We're- of the. Uh, I did it. I, I did it this morning. I was already cooking this morning. I was cooking like some turnips and some different vegetables. Um okay. And I used I used my um, my clad. Not my my clad. Oh, gosh, which which pan did I use? But I use one of my, one of my um, frying frying pans. Uh-huh. I just put in ghee butter. I use a lot of ghee, ghee butter.
1: Right.
6: So, so it, it, that works out really.
1: Yeah, and for those of you that think, uh, why are you talking about frying pans and cooking and things like that when there's so many big issues in the world and there's Ukraine and there's, you know, uh, the national debt? The reason is because this is your personal health, and these are individual steps that you can take you know, to get away from the factory food and away from all the stuff out there, and just little things that you can do, uh, that you don't right. need. You don't need the mass movement. You don't need to get everybody involved. You just do it yourself. And so this Same is why exactly. I like to bring it down, bring it down to the individual level. This is why I have such variety on the show. Tomorrow, big day today. Uh, it's just uh, just us chatting. <laughs> you know. hurts. Yeah. Kind of how, well, how
6: like doing. I said, you know, we were taking it back to the whole food supply, talking about you know the eggs uh-huh. and what they're what they're doing to the eggs, and talking about some yep. natural ways to combat you know, anything that you have going on in your body that shouldn't shouldn't be there, go get a diagnostic test if you need to, right? If you know you have arthritis and inflammation, you know, that's your choice to be popping Advils or a, a prescription or to be diving into some of the non-inflammatory foods that can really help you, you know, and eating a grapefruit a day. Grapefruit is really, really good for cholesterol, for high blood pressure, for inflammation and different things, you know, but just. Know your body, know your health challenges. I mean we could scroll all day long on this. Like for me, certain foods are not good for me that may be good good for you because I have kidney stones. So there's a lot of foods that I oh, like huh. that
0: I, Yeah. That are very
6: high there's a lot of foods right. that are very high in oxalates. That I okay. love oxalated foods. Yeah. Right, let me tell you
1: what let me tell my story. Have have yeah, let me tell you my story. I had a kidney stone. Uh, I was thinking at 40-some-odd uh, years old, 40, 41, I was thinking I'm getting older. Shit, of course, now I'm like 63, right? So at 40, I was thinking I'm getting older. I don't want as much calcium. I don't want to get a kidney stone. I better cut back on calcium. So this is, this is my own self-diagnosis, and I was wrong. So I started eating almond milk. I had soy milk at first. Then I found out I had platinum plant estrogen, so that was out. So I went to almond milk. And I also, I love grapefruit juice. Grapefruit juice is heavily oxalated and it will actually give you kidney stones uh, as well as spinach. And so I'm eating a lot of grapefruit juice, uh, drinking grapefruit juice, eating spinach, not having any calcium. And my body has calcium shortages. So what does it do? In response, it makes a kidney stone. Now I I was actually on a first date and I, I'm like dying of pain. I ended up on the, this poor woman's floor, you know, in, in, in serious pain. Went to the emergency room the whole bit. Anyway, good sport. Never dated again, but, you know, we had a, at least we had one fun time. Anyway, um, but the point was, they said, okay, you're going to have to pass that now. I'm like, oh, no, do I really have to? Oh, yeah, it's going to hurt. Great, thanks. But what I found, I did some research. I said, "What well, breaks up kidney stones. So I went online. Now that I'm getting smart, I went online. I found out that uh, citrus breaks up kidney stones, but not grapefruit. <laughs> so orange, lime, and lemon. So I basically drowned myself in orange juice, lime juice, and lemon, or actually real fruits. I had oranges, limes, and lemons in the house, and I ate a ton of them. And I actually broke up the kidney stone. It never had to pass. So – and ever since then, I started drinking milk and eating cheese and going back to dairy, and I've never had a kidney stone since, and that was over 20 years ago. So right. grapefruit juice and spinach and, and depriving yourself of calcium gave me a kidney stone. So even though you right. think you're doing the right thing, you know self-medication can get you in real trouble unless you know what you're doing. So you've got to read everything. Right.: yeah, yeah, that's my story. What's your story?
6: Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I, um, I was born pretty much with a kidney disease. So, um, Uh both of, both, I have both my kidneys, but both of my kidneys are just full of stones. And so, um, I have to see a a urologist and a nephrologist because every once in a while they, and I've had, oh gosh, when my, my son's 25. So when my son was probably six months old, I had what they called back then lipotripsy, you know, where they break up the stones and you can pass them. And I really should and need to have another one done. I'm just very nervous about going in and have any sort of procedure done right now. You know, I think it's getting better from what I hear of people going in, you know, for knee replacements and, you know, who have to have certain procedure done. It's getting better as far as no testing and this and that and the other thing. I just have really big trust issues, so I've been praying about when to have that next procedure done, you know?
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, this is why I was very suspect when I had to do the the, the colon check, Uh, and that's when I caught my cold. You know, my only cold after COVID. Mm -hmm. And my biggest fear was they're going to give me a COVID jab while I was out. And people said, well, that's irrational. It was not irrational. You don't know. They make money on those COVID shots. So I went to a place that had no COVID, you know, vaccine in the building. (laughs) So so they didn't do it. They had other things that they did. uh, And so that wasn't an issue for me. And the health professionals were pretty cool about it. But, yeah, that was a concern. So I understand exactly what you mean. I'm glad I had my heart surgery uh, in 2017 uh, and didn't decide to wait a couple of years and do it in 2019 or 2020 because I'm going to make it out of the hospital. They would have put me on a ventilator when they filled my lungs with fluid from the the blood centers, and they probably would have killed me. So, you know, God works in great ways, and uh, I I avoided that by getting my surgery done in a timely fashion. I had them drain the fluid rather than put me on a ventilator. And um, here I am. So yeah. Exactly. But you know, as far as procedures
6: go, like I said, if you have to have, you know, again, if you're in an accident and you got a have bone reset, or you know, you have you have heart challenge, whatever. I mean, there are times and places procedures, and if you have to have those procedures done, I think even though the medical community is still done it and still sucks, I think going in for a specific procedure, I think the pro the protocols and the process is getting a little bit better only because they know that we know, right? The, the healthcare workers know the truth now. They, they, yep. they have released a lot of the stuff on, you know, you don't have to be tested for COVID unless you're running a fever and you're this, you know, you have signs or symptoms. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to this. You don't have to that. And so I feel personally a little bit better about that. My disgust okay. is, you know, when you're under anesthesia, you don't know what the hell's going
1: on. Well, that's what was, that was my concern. You know, they could have jabbed me with anything. Right. You know, and I never thought about that with heart surgery. And I had a ton of different medicines, you know, and then been pain relievers and things. I actually rejected most of the pain relievers. And as soon as I had my blood center episode where I almost suffocated uh, and they wanted to put me back on blood thinners, I was like, like hell. So here's my question. Right. Overall, well, here's my observation. I want to know what you think. So overall, I think surgery generally goes well. I had I had brilliant heart surgeons. You know, the surgery went fine. You know, I was in great shape. I was actually on a ventilator because literally I was dead for four hours. Uh, so they have to stop your heart and lungs. So in that respect, they did a really great job. However, the drugs are, I think, where the problem is because that's big pharma. And so the blood thinners and some of the painkillers, the opiates that I could have gotten addicted to that I purposely did not because I reduced my own amount, I think the real problem is the drugs. The, uh, the actual surgery, you know, whether it's setting bones or doing colonoscopy checks or uh, open heart surgery or things like that, the, the, the surgery part of it and the, uh, the basic medical part is pretty good. But I think the problem is the drugs. I think that's where the system yeah. breaks down. Because there's so much profit in it, it's not regulated, you don't know what's in them, and I would include vaccines and drugs. So anything that's that's non-hands-on, you know, hands-on, if it's not surgery and it's not practical medicine where they're actually doing something to you, with you, or things like that, but if it's just a drug, I think that's what the problems are. What do you think?
6: I would agree. I would agree. Okay. Hmm. I would agree. I would agree. The problem yeah. is that... You know there are some times when you need certain drugs that's why again circling back is, yeah you
0: got to be careful um, to,
6: yeah. this is a this is this is such a bad statement to say but choose your poison right there are sometimes when you do need certain drugs I mean it, you, well, just, I'll tell you just, yeah
1: we're overtime now but just to take another minute or two when I when uh, they drained three liters of fluid out of my chest, they drained a liter and a half the first day, but the second day, they only want to take another liter and a half. And I said, you're going to take all the fluid out of my lungs. I'm not coming back here another day for another six-inch needle on my back. So you're going to take it out now. And they, they hemmed it hot. I said, you're going to take it out now. <laughs> okay. So they took out three liters of fluid, and my, lung had to re, my lungs had to reinflate. Well, there was no pain I have known like lungs reinflating. So, uh, yes, I had an entire 500-milligram you know, hydrocodone pill, and it was necessary because the pain of your lung inflating is excruciating. And I don't right. use that word loosely. It, it, when once it started to really hurt, and it kept the pain kept ratcheting up, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a full painkiller. This is necessary. But it was, but it, I only did it once, and in a few hours, I was right. fine.
6: Right. Right. Mm. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Get I get your I, last I agree. Then, uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. No,
6: okay. I agree. I say if it's a beautiful weekend where you are this weekend, get out, do some planting, do some grounding, walk around. You know bare feet wash your feet off when you come in don't step on any doggy poofy and <laughs> um, you know I mean I mean get outdoors you know and and yeah. enjoy enjoy the beautiful weather go to a, go to a farmer's market maybe re, revamp your kitchen you know get rid of stuff those things I've been getting rid of so many stuff or taking some stuff to goodwill you know or donating yeah. to some things to people who just you know don't have anything. You know, all these things have to do with your health. I mean, cleaning out is just a mindset of decluttering, decluttering your mind. I mean, it's such a great feeling. So, you know, all, all, all the things. And if you need any resources at all, you know, you can reach me at h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. That's h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. And the HTMA, which is the hair tissue mineral analysis that I highly recommend everybody get um they are slightly discounted right now and they are taking about an extra 3 weeks to get to people because of the high demand there's a there's a there is a supply it's not a supply issue it's the fact that they are so high in demand right now with different issues that people are having and people want to see where they where they are deficient um so if that's something that you choose to do that that's awesome just contact me but know that there is about an extra 3 week delay on that
1: okay good to know yeah, and I think we forgot the twenty detox foods. You want to race through those? Or you want to save it for next week?
6: Oh, let's save it for next week. I've got it right here, so we'll save it for next week, and then I can also send it to you, which I will do right now.
1: Yeah, I can post it, and then I can get started. And I, I bet you half of them I'm already eating. <laughs> I'll bet you, bet you, because I, I, I oh, have to yeah. start that. Day. Yeah. Okay. All right, CJ. All right. Thank you, darling. And all CJ is talking about the weekend. Uh, <laughs> good. I still have a show tomorrow, so don't you know? Don't touch your weekend quite yet. Anyway, I'm going to play a couple things for you and then uh, give our closing music, and that'll be it. But this is a great show. Tomorrow's going to be fabulous. Tomorrow we've got a couple of great guests. Uh, and, again, uh, Tony Lyons, uh, they keep switching the schedule on me, so I'll, I'll, know, uh, I'll know soon after the show when exactly he's going to appear, but I'll put that on my show uh, notes for tomorrow. And then, of course, the weekend's going to be crazy. Um, I've got uh, the Matt Gates meeting tomorrow evening, and obviously I'll be talking about that Monday. But uh, who knows? Well, I might make national news when I present my bill to him, and we'll see who's there. Yeah, besides me, and uh, maybe we'll make a video of that. That's another project too. All right, y'all take care, have fun, enjoy yourselves, and uh, please share the show. Please share our bills and become activists. There, there, there are no journalists here; we're all activists. Big, big difference. Main website: like, uh, excuse me, BlogTalkRadio dot com slash Citizen Action, and our legislative our site is WriteYourLaws dot com. All this is on the broadcast page. Uh, our uh, contribution site: give, dot com slash Action Radio. And uh, my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com, And uh, my public email, greg at And again, that's all on the broadcast page. See you all tomorrow. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. The complete guide to flight instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. at gracecare at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gracecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio?